Alexis is a conqueror. No, I'm Alexander. He's no Alexander. I'm the best ever. There's never right. been anybody as right. I'm Sonny Liston. I'm Jack Dempsey. There's no one like me. I'm from their club. There's no one that can match me. My style is impetuous. My defense is impregnable. And I'm just ferocious. I want your heart. I want to eat your children. It was just banter. Stay off the weed. And England win on penalties. History in itself. You know, I think it's a great city. I think they got the best organization in the NBA. But they do have some big old wins. I'm here with the winner, Derek Lewis. Derek, why don't you take your pants off? Balls are fun. I understand. Call the ticket quickly, Reggie! Yeah, it's a good match. No money's in the fucking reserves. Listen, I ain't gonna forget about this by the time we get the Hello and welcome to episode 213 of the Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron. Joined as always by Tom Kennett, Alex Jones and Jack Harper. We've had a topic fall into our lap this week, which I'm sure people tuning in know we'll be getting into. Frank Lampard has been sacked and uh, we'll have the exclusive scoop from Jack and uh, all of his raw emotions about eight hours later. So we'll get into that. First of all, though, we do have news of the week, the more important news to get into. So... How's everyone doing today, Jack aside? <laughs> uh, yeah, stunning. What'd you say, Jack? I can't hear a word you're saying. <laughs> well, it's, probably today. Good, it's probably a good thing because I'm screaming into a pillow. Can you hear me now? Yeah, just about. It sounded like, um, you know what Sean did at the start of uh, Thursday's <laughs> episode? Where he like I, fell into a ditch. Mid- yeah, I wish I, I wish I could just fall down a well and let it swallow me. <laughs> so, anyway. News of the week. So with some happy news. A woman divorces husband to marry 21-year-old stepson, then undergoes plastic surgery to ensure she looks younger to match him. This is <laughs> like someone who's watched too much porn. This is a category, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Happy news, though. She's getting the surgery she wants. Happy ending. The 21-year-old. And keeping it in the family. Less so for the father, but there we are. <laughs> that is weird. He's, think, like, family he's cracking up in a can here. He's on the beers. I'll tell the mayor, I thought I'd brought a nice glass of water up and uh, I must have left some washing up liquid in the glass, so I feel like I'm being poisoned. Get it down you. That wouldn't be best for business. Quite something mid-pod, though. Yeah. Well, what was it we, what was it we had for chat that one time? Your girlfriend got electrocuted. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Shit. I forgot about that. Is that nothing serious, is it? No, no, it just ends up in hospital. I just heard this heard this scream and this massive <laughs> click from downstairs. And I was like, you all right? She's like, I've electrocuted myself. <laughs> oh, I've got the fact she could answer was a positive, at least. Yeah. I'll be down in 15. <laughs> <laughs> um, thief steals car, only to return with child from the back seat, scold the mother, and then leave again with the stolen car. 
So he should. He has morals. <laughs> um, music industry icons and best friends DJ Khaled and Fat Joe launch only fan profile. Oh, I mean, Fat uh, Joe isn't really going to drag in many subscriptions, is it? Oh, you think Khaled and will? Khaled together. <laughs> Two for the price of one. Blimey. Um, rap artist, A Boogie with the Hoodie, clogged toilets at New Jersey Mansion and caused 260000 in damages, lawsuit says. It's a hell of a poo. Drains are no joke, mate. Drains are no joke. I, I never understood how expensive a drain mistake can be. I had to get drain insurance the other day. How fucking adult is that? Okay. You wouldn't want to see what it is at Luke's house, Christ. That premium through the roof. It's just really foamy with all the washing up liquid he's been drinking. Thumb injury forces top gamers to retire at 25. <laughs> Fuck me. That's brilliant. That's like the new equivalent of I did my knee in. You've got to feel quite bad. When you think the money they reel in is mental. It, it's so, one of my one of my work no colleagues. One of my work colleagues uh, met, mentioned about this, and he said he was go- there a little bit more into it, was he was going to go into the coaching side of things now. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't get behind esports. I can't watch someone else playing a game. I just don't get it. I thought I thought this, and then when there was when there was no sport on, as a lot of the things I reference these days, the amount of sport I watch. Um, I th- there was they were showing a Madden esports tournament on BT Sport. I was hooked. No. It was unbelievable. Not for me. Yeah. Not for me. It's like when you used to go around your mates' house and they used to hog the PS2 or something, and all you'd want is to play on it. And then your mum comes when it's your go. I know, like- they've got proper commentators and everything. I'm I'm struggling I'm struggling to understand how Jack can turn around and say he can't sit and watch that when he watches things on YouTube like 1,000 T Rexes versus 500 Jesuses. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> That's got a comedic element to it. No, I gave I gave that I gave your recommendations a bit of time. Tried to watch one of them and it was ridiculous. It wasn't remotely entertaining or funny. It was just a sandbox. It was just a sandbox with a jar with a, these. T-Rexes. Have, you, have, have any of you ever played the game Rome Total War? It was basically just... Uh, it, wasn't, your it, wasn't, uh, it just wasn't... It just that's wasn't... Basically, even, that's basically the you wasted my time. You it's wasted like, my time. It's like they've got Age of Empires and they've modded in... That's the one, actually. That's the one Troy likes. And, Age um, of Empires is a classic. Yeah, it's basically just let them go at it and see who wins. It's, it's more like, like Rome Total War, though. I remember doing so, going back to the esports thing. I remember doing something in primary school where I think I'd missed watching the football at the weekend. We had to do like a match report for like English or something like that. Primary school, very primitive stuff. So I just simmed loads of Premier League fixtures on FIFA back in the day when you could do kickoff and just sim the kickoff games. And I did match reports on the fucking outcomes of a simmed FIFA game. On like FIFA 2003. Right. I think you've got even less. You've got even less of a leg to stand on when we talk about esports now. Then. Yeah, I mean, I was about nine years old. I'd like to think I've grown up since then. <laughs> You'd like to think. I'd like to think. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't get into the the Call of Duty ones, but I don't have an interest in Call of Duty really. But the the Madden ones, I was I was well in on that. Even more when the money they make. 
the funny thing is with Madden, I can imagine it being a bit more entertaining than a real game because it's quicker. Like, I... It's just so many breaks in America, but I used to love it. I used to watch every game, stay up for it, play Madden all the time. And then it just kind of got a bit too long for me to really properly follow. So I ended up watching Red Zone. Oh, a Good shout. Um, woman arrested after trying to flee police station in stolen ambulance after stealing four rolls of Mentos. <laughs> that was very Grand Theft Auto till the end. Not quite. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah I was thinking what? Like, yeah, the not quite so the stacks of Diet Coke. <laughs> um, Capital rioter arrested after sending selfie to girlfriend's brother. Who happens to be a federal agent? <laughs> I, f- I do find it funny that all of these kind of terrorists that attack the Western world have very intricate plans, very, all in secrecy, all done through code. Very kind of, even if it, their end outcome is pretty bad, intelligent people, you would say, to pull this kind of stunt off. All these capital writers just ran in there, took photos of themselves doing it saw that video of that senator saying such and such is in the capital and put it on the internet and now he's in prison. Like... They say there was a trail left of nearly 125,000 posts across social media from people that were there just giving themselves up for capture, whether it was taking selfies, whether it was tweeting that they were there, Facebook live videos, Instagram live videos, Instagram posts. Just morons. Snitch How many people yourself. there is going to be like ones who claim to be there but weren't as well? You get get arrested. Trust me, I was there. Like the people that shot me in the neck at paint. <laughs> yeah. More people claiming that than possible. It's that it, it's that mob mentality, though, isn't it? You feel invi- when you're in that mob mentality, you can feel invincible. You can feel like if you ever watched any of the Darren Brown stuff, the one that he did on mob mentality, it's what he can get the audience to. Well, what he allowed the audience to get away with, and then you yeah, don't realise yeah, yeah. until it's too late afterwards. I, when you say mob mentality, it does remind me of my school days because my head of year labelled us that mob because we used to do exactly things like that where you had a big enough group you could cause absolute havoc at school and it and it happened. It's a bit like the Chelsea changing room. <laughs> you, you hear things like this and then you go back to two weeks ago where Jack was saying he couldn't believe he got kicked out of school. <laughs> I, I couldn't believe it. It's not about injustice. It's, it's like one of those totting up processes where they can't get you for the stuff you do do, so they get you on really medial things. Like when they got Al Capone for tax evasion. That's what you're saying. It, that's exa- exactly right. Exactly right. Um, Joe Exotic had a limousine on standby near prison as he waited for a last-minute presidential pardon. That never came. But the limousine was there as he planned to head straight to pick up a McRib. <laughs> if, you've been, I... if you've been locked up for, what else have you been locked up for now? So like 2014 or something? Um, what's, where's the first place you're going? You're getting a fillet of fish, aren't you? I'm getting, I'm getting everything from McDonald's. Just fillet of fish, nuggets, Big Mac, big tasty if it's on. Nuggets. Or, or, as I think South Park called it, the Holy Grail, um, McDonald's chips in KFC gravy. <laughs> Jesus. You don't get something better than that. Like, like what? McDonald's, you, McDonald's, you probably get in prison. 
get smuggled in wouldn't be the same it'd be like when you when you buy it there and take it home and it's gone a bit cold <laughs> yeah no. the tones of Byron's voice then just utter disbelief of well what's going to be better than that well <laughs> i don't know what i don't know what he's referring <laughs> to what, 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 i, I what, can what, think of a, I, 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 I can think of a lot of things better than that but <laughs> like your favorite thing when you go to nando's there is those little pistachios on the front desk we are not built the same <laughs> the salted nuts there's the salted nut things yeah what, what would you pick up first? They're, they're nice to nibble on. They're, you've been, uh, you've been locked up, Alex. What's the first Alex, thing you're picking you up? Alex, not say that you want to nibble on salted nuts? <laughs> <laughs> um, Especially not when you're just coming out of prison. How, how do you know it's food? How, how do you know it's food? That's the first thing I do. That's the question I've asked. <laughs> so it, am, I, am I restricted to food now, am I? Well, I don't know what else you're thinking of. You can't well, have gone to your inhaler, to... Alex, because that's what you're asking. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get that on prescription. I'll get that. I'll or get everything go. I need smuggled in. <laughs> or I go on someone else if that's what you're referring to. <laughs> Just yeah. what food are you having? Already. What food am I having? Yeah. Uh, I'm going. Uh, I'm going home, and I'm having uh, my mum's uh, home cooking. That's what you miss. That's what your you mum's baked goods. Yeah. That's the worst answer I think I've ever heard. Well, if you hey, my mum, my mum's a fantastic cook. So if you saw, does she listen this, to the podcast? Is that what you're saying? This? No, no, she no. Hopefully she doesn't. Hopefully, hopefully she doesn't. You're telling me there's no greater food you could pick up straight from. Prison. I quite, I, I, but no. I'll tell you what. I would, I would rather have a. I'd rather go to a nice pizza joint than uh, than have a McDonald's. It gets worse. It just gets worse. <laughs> I'm going straight down Gloss Grill. <laughs> I'll see you for a while, lads. See, I can understand that a bit more, but the thing is with um, Gloucester Grill, when it's bad, and with all these Perry places, it is bad. And so the risk of that being the case for your first meal at a lockup, I can't take that chance. It's kind of a free hit, though, because anything's probably going to be good. You're probably going to be going there and they're going to give you the worst thing. Also, the way your stomach's going to have settled to prison food. That cluster grill, you're going to be holding that in for about five minutes. You're not even going to have a chance to enjoy it. By the time you finished a burger and got onto your wings or a wrap, you're going to be. I'm going to, to be asking to go. I'm going to be asking to go back in. Yeah. I, I almost dread to think, Jack. Although maybe we're a man of similar tastes. What McDonald's? Give me the the ballpark. He was going with the pizza. No, I. No. I'm probably going. I don't like a fancy restaurant oh. meal, takeaway meal from a restaurant. You want to go and sit in a fancy restaurant for the first for you, after you've been locked up seven years? Well, no, you get takeaway in this day and age, wouldn't you? What's well, not the same then? What's the point of going to a fancy place and taking? I don't want to go for the restaurant. I'll go for the nice food. That's what I'm talking about. Those I'm portion big... sizes. <laughs> He's ordering a menu, mate. Well. It doesn't matter about portion sizes if I, if I can just if there's not a limit on what I can. You didn't say we had a budget. Yeah, exactly. No, but it's just I, I'd be pulling out all the stops I would be if I'm just coming out of prison. I don't see I, what you can get from a fancy restaurant that's topping a Big Mac, filet fish, nuggets. I a really <laughs> My nice word. Jesus. Every time. Jack, Jack, Jack! I've I've been I've known Luke for I've I've had this debate and I've had this conversation with Luke many a time. 
there is nothing you can say he's in this world that will convince what, you what him food otherwise. is he picking up from this fancy restaurant don't, don't waste your time Jack, what food are you having in this fancy so restaurant byron, byron is as basic as it comes when it comes <laughs> to food <laughs> basic. what 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 food are you getting from this fancy restaurant uh, I'm going to La Campagna in Stonehouse, which is amazing. And I'm what, getting... Little shout out for them on the pod. Yeah, little shout out to them. And it'll be a toss-up either between their lasagna or... Jesus Christ. Spaghetti carbonara potentially as well. Depending I guarantee you the, the pasta there wouldn't be nicer than the one on the salad bar at Pizza Hut. So you may as well just go head straight to Pizza Hut buffet. <laughs> We're talking two different languages here, by the way. We are. I'm, I'm, I'm talking the finest Italian, you and you're talking just, Stonehouse. You, you must have the deadest taste buds. I'm, I'm not the one saying you have they left. would turn down that Big Mac sauce. Mate, look, there's, a, there's a science project I saw on Twitter the other day. It's 12 years old McDonald's, and it hasn't decayed one bit. That I can tell you it tastes different because, as I've said on here several times before, that I tried the leftover pizza experiment where I woke up after a night out, I'd fallen asleep eating my Big Mac, <laughs> um, lettuce on my head and all sorts, and then I thought, well, I'll have a bite of the Big Mac that's still left in the box and it's not quite the same, so exactly. whether it decays or not. Something that deteriorates that badly, like taste-wise, but not physically, just from being left overnight. Well, I didn't say I was going to go straight from prison, pick it up, put it in the back of a car, leave it 12 years, and then come back. It's going to be gone in about two minutes. <laughs> Don't you get that horrible empty feeling after McDonald's, though, where you wish you hadn't eaten that? Where I wish I'd ordered more, maybe. I literally, I'll eat at McDonald's, they'll be like, That's just, that just wasn't worth it. And then I'll go and have the, another one a few days after. The worst I felt after McDonald's was I went to watch um, Arsenal against Blackpool in the Carabao Cup on a Wednesday night. And I got paid that day. And I was in the McDonald's um, by the Emirates. And I just couldn't decide if I wanted a fillet fish, if I wanted the nuggets or the Big Mac or a double cheeseburger. <laughs> so I ordered it all. Oh. Um, ate large Big Mac meal, then the fillet fish, then tucked into the nuggets and then realised I had the burger. I sat in the seats at the Emirates thinking, that clock's going so slowly. <laughs> if we score here, I can't move. That's insane. That's, I, I mean, I used you've to ruined the, your day. I used to pull the student cards kind of scam every single time. Where when I was at Sixpool, I found out about getting a free cheeseburger with your McDonald's uh, if you had a student card. And then I kept my student card for about four or five years afterwards. And it even got to the point where even if I didn't have it, I'd order a student cheeseburger. And on the rare occasion they'd actually ask to see my student ID, I'd start like rooting through my car and be like, oh no, it's in my bag in my boot. And they just let me off. So I've must have scammed McDonald's out of at least fifty pounds worth of cheeseburgers, I reckon, over my time. I'll best take this out of the podcast. You might get locked up for seven years for all these <laughs> cheeseburgers you've hustled. What that what would be my criminal name at like the cheeseburger hustler? No, if anything, they look down, they say, what you having when you first come out of here? And you'll say, La Campagna. And they'll take you in the showers and do you in. And they'll say, are you having me on? I'm, get, I'm in here for life. And the first thing I want is a fillet of fish when I get out there. And you've insulted me with that. Lasagna. 
We'll carry on. Uh, Oklahoma legislator, Oklahoma legislator proposes bill to establish Bigfoot hunting season. He says it's a real issue and they need to band together and get rid before he comes looking for them. <laughs> There's been absolutely no documented sighting of any credible source and they say he's a real danger. That's a real problem. I, I think it was one of the episodes of Joe Rogan where they went in and there's a certain bear or something that can stand up on its back legs, basically. And so they're saying essentially someone's seen this animal or something similar just stood up on its back legs. Quite rightly has gone, what the hell is that? I've never seen anything like this in my life. <laughs> and it's just gone from there. That's the thing with Bigfoot as well, is the fact that no one's come afoul of Bigfoot. Maybe Bigfoot just likes to keep to himself. No that one's thing ever, freaked me out. I remember once someone claimed they spotted it on um, Google Earth. And it looked freaky in the thing that they found. There was one with the Loch Ness Monster, I remember, as well. I don't believe in them, but just the thing of it just looking down the camera on this Google Earth thing. It's, it's, a, bit like, me it's a bit like the big cat that yeah. they say is like kind of strolling around the Stroud countryside. My dad said there's that the same. Yeah, well. there's the same. The thing is that that cat story, there's the same story for every part of the country. There's the same, the, the exact same story on Bodmin Moor. Yeah, when uh, lockdown first happened and people let all the animals go in that zoo in America. Like, like <laughs> a week later, there was like a rhino like, in someone's uh, front garden. <laughs> what, what's the like, victory if you're hunting Bigfoot as well? Like you see it, it's not going to end well. So there's no real plus point to that. Yeah, You befriend speaking- him. You well, like a comedy you thing where they say the reason no one gives a bad review about skydiving is because the people that would give a bad review yeah, are meant to tell the tale. It, and this is like with Bigfoot. Maybe people have seen it and he's just done them in. The thing is with Bigfoot as well is that because he's not documented to what he actually is, it could just be a big, hairy human. So he'd just be a murderer. I've been rumbled. Like, could you like, <laughs> would it be a defense, defensible in court to say, I thought it was Bigfoot and we're allowed to hunt Bigfoot? <laughs> and if it's you look in the woods, it might be tasty. He's got a fillet of fish in his hands. Yeah. I mean, you ask what we do with him, it seems pretty obvious. We stick him in with Sean as the final boss if he gets through all the other animals. <laughs> it's, it's like, what, what you got to do as well is put down a fillet of fish so Byron gets even more agitated when you get closer to him. No, I like, <laughs> I, I like that idea from TK there. You know in the old, like, you get the gladiator films where they think they've defeated, like, the hardest <laughs> man and just they're, like, hobbled over, they lift up, like, the steel gate. <laughs> And like a lion comes out. <laughs> this is what we've got. Um, baggage claim tag leads to murder charges for man following discovery of remains in suitcases. I don't get this. Because if you have like, a tiny bit of shower gel in your thing as you go through, they spot it. So how are these human remains getting all the way through to them just happen to tag their baggage to have a little look? Look at the jaw. I mean, what are they seeing when, when it goes through the little scanner? <laughs> I like it on nothing to declare when it happens. Then someone's like, oh, that ancient spear that you found in there. <laughs> yeah. I didn't think you put that. No, that's just an ornament. <laughs> yeah, and they, they, I remember watching it once and they had... I love I love that show. They had something confiscated, like two suitcases full of bananas. 
and they had him like handcuffed and I was like fucking hell that's lethal it's unbelievable and they say like should you have any food in there and they say no and they open it up and it's like two suitcases full and they went you've got to understand my wife packed my bag <laughs> I didn't know this was in there or they say like no a friend just gave me this suitcase and asked if I could just bring it back from Thailand for them um Teenagers offer free squirts of hand sanitizer to shoppers in Bradford, but it turns out to be super glue. That's brilliant. Um, How raging would you be? Or would a part of you be like, you got me? <laughs> yeah, respect it. I think, yeah, a bit of both, really. Angry that it was me that got caught, but even angrier that it wasn't me who thought, didn't think of it. Imagine one of them got a gym for American Pie 2 <laughs> Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, God. They go into that uh, uh, whatever shop they're in. I think it's on his lunch break. Next thing you know. See, the fact, the fact that you've said this makes me wonder what your shifts at co-op were really like. <laughs> My shifts at the co-op, great days they were. <laughs> I'm sure they were by the sounds of it. Uh, not them toilets, doing? trust me. Someone's been at someone in there at 8 o'clock in the morning, 4 o'clock in the afternoon, you still smell it. That person was um, usually you. Oh, you rarely had me in at eight until uh, I briefly went full-time there before. It all got a bit too much. Um, Microsoft patent details tech that could turn dead people into AI chatbots. Um, now, I had actually seen this headline. Essentially, have you seen the Black Mirror episode where someone like orders a replacement for their dead yeah, husband online? General it's Hutt- essentially Hutt- like this where... They're going to take all their social media info, all their photos and all things like this and believe that they can put together a chatbot that you can speak to and have a realistic conversation with. And then they've got the patent there so they can do the holograms and all sorts. So it's ropey. Well, that doesn't sound like the end of the world at all. That should <laughs> be good. The thing is, what you could do as well is have a conversation with yourself. I wonder how that would go. Unbelievable if I could have a conversation with myself. Be interested to watch AJ doing it. <laughs> Just two fellas pronouncing footballers' names wrong. Back <laughs> you know, um, in Dude Where's My Car, where they have the back and forth, where he's asking like the tattoos on their back. Yeah. Just one trying to work out who the other one's pronouncing, and they'd just be caught in a loop. Regulagon. <laughs> Regulagon. Um. Cocaine-stuffed shipments of bananas ended up at Canadian grocery stores due to a drug trafficking mix-up. I mean, so if you crack quite... open your banana and you just got a massive curve of cocaine. <laughs> you got great value on your bunch of bananas. <laughs> I don't really know what you'd do there because... I wonder what the street value for a banana full of cocaine is. Quite a lot. Yeah. <laughs> All the people that are unsuspecting <laughs> open them up. Some little old lady. She's having the time of her life. <laughs> well, the way, the, the way their the hearts the way, want to be taking that. Five well, the, way this, the way that Sean eats a banana, he might not have realised. <laughs> That's the strangest thing I've ever seen. Oh, I know. Do you know this, Jack? No. He eats it from the side. <laughs> like a what? corn on the cob. <laughs> oh, Nibbles it no, like, you know, Jack, like a squirrel going. Jack, it, 
it, Jack, it is as bad as it sounds. How you can how you, how you can trust a guy what? who eats a banana like that? I will never know. Does he at least peel it first? Yeah, no. <laughs> it's worrying that you have to ask that. It's that you have to ask that. So that's so not an unfair question. It's not even an unfair like a, question. He peels a whole banana, and then he holds yeah. it in his hands. And then he Correct. nibbles it from side to side yeah. like a tightrope. This is also a person that rips off the ends of his chips and just eats the middle of them. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> you so he doesn't like, doesn't like the ends. That's so bad. I'm actually kind of disgusted. In a way. <laughs> I haven't even seen it, but... The uh, let me tell you... Let, let, yeah, let so me tell you, Jack, much that, better. Let, let me tell you, Jack, that is the tip of the iceberg with that boy. <laughs> to be fair, the worst eating habits that I've seen is my mate Archie, and he'll go to Nando's, eat a whole chicken, and after the meal, there'll be nothing left. He eats the bones in the cartilage as well. Jeez. So he'll like, he'll pull off a bit of chicken, and then just like a leg, for example, and then just eat it and crunch it. it just. <laughs> It's I know wild. someone that, that lost their job at a, uh, at a supermarket for tr- trying to sneak one of the cooked chickens out with them as if they wouldn't <laughs> be rumbled with it. It's like me and my angel, se- angel chef story. Yeah. Okay. Um, man who strained his back picking up company car keys will receive workers' compensation. That's fucking You're in the wrong job, Jack. You need to get back in the car business. <laughs> I, do, I do have a company car so that could I could still get away with it potentially um, former TSA agent convicted for tricking a woman into showing her breasts at LAX did he have a, one of those badges that says federal booby inspector <laughs> um, Biden removes Trump's diet coke button from the Oval Office fuck off he got did, you hear, did you hear about that <laughs> He I literally had to do with press, and someone would bring him in a Diet Coke. Because <laughs> I was going to say, what would your button be? Yeah. What would your button be? That man drinks Diet Coke. No, not a chance. I'd love a Cherry Coke button. <laughs> cherry Coke. That guy, fucking hell. <laughs> it's, it's just the fact. It's just the fact that, like, he doesn't. <laughs> That he's got it's, it's a specific button for a specific task rather than just pressing the tannoy and falling yeah. in second page. It's just, it's just he couldn't be bothered to say the words, he just needed it to be a button. I've just got this image of him getting off the phone from that R- Moscow hotline with Putin. It's a very stressful call. He just sits there in start silence, staring at the wall, just slams his hand down on a Diet Coke button. I'm after knowing about what you'd have after leaving prison, I'm scared to ask what you'd have on that on this button jack will probably tell me he'll have like um, a cup of black coffee or something <laughs> no i'm a i'm a pepsi max guy oh my word <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's, it's max. All, all the fun none of the consequence <laughs> none of the diabetes Alex, yours is just going to be water, isn't it? <laughs> no, I'm a, I'm, I'm a coffee guy, aren't I? So when you said black coffee, you weren't too far away from it. But I'd have a, I'd, I'd, I'd have a with coffee. Is, is, you is never mentioned that. No, no, I, I, I like. I, I said I, I'm a coffee guy. I like to drink my coffee, so I probably have a coffee button. 
as much as I like coffee, if I have more than two, I get the shakes. Like, honestly. Yeah, that's that, that's true. I only have one a day now, so that button would be a bit detrimental. I'd only get to press yeah. it once a day. I've, I've literally, I have more. If I have three cups of coffee, like at a meeting or something, I'm sat there shaking. <laughs> Fucking minging. Alex used like... to be weirdly angry by that McDonald's what is a flat white advert when he worked in a coffee shop. Yeah, we we don't we don't talk about that. <laughs> um, two more bits of news. Um, trapped Chinese miners request sausages. That's your headline. <laughs> okay. That's they're down there and they've had to make like a group decision between them. Like, what do we all like here? Not of them people that in the McDonald's advert that are trapped in a lift and they can break it open to bring up some chicken selects. <laughs> I thought you meant it was like some sort of Chinese paedophile written. They just got the taste for it now. Well, if you said earlier, you see where my mind went. Let's be a bit more worried about you. <laughs> Could have um, been a logistical thing. Could have been a logistical thing. If they only had a tube to get down gap. to them. <laughs> yeah. I demand sausage. <laughs> uh, one of them uh, luges they have uh, in America with the frozen thing where the drink comes down. They still have sausages coming out the end of there with their little uh, <laughs> <minor> space. <laughs> like a beer bong, but with crap fetters. Or it's like on Tom and Jerry when it's one of those really long strings of sausages. They get pulled out by it. Maybe I just freaked out being in the chip shop with my brother and hearing this kid in front of us actually request a Savoy sausage. Never known anyone else to ever have one of them. What is a Savoy sausage? Is it? It's that one that looks like it's like waxy. Oh, yeah. No, not for me. I remember having a battered sausage when I was younger and I was like, I I could feel my heart clogging up. What's wrong with a battered sausage? No, I loved it. It tasted great. I just could feel the cholesterol coursing through my veins. That and that and some curry sauce. You can't go far wrong. Tastes great, but you can only have like one a year. I remember Rory being outraged that I said I like fish cakes from the chip shop. Nah, fish cakes are banging. Yeah, up for those. And Keenan as well, I think. Must be something in their family. And finally... Legalising marijuana has also boosted the sales of junk food, including ice creams, cookies and chips. So the economy is flowing. I I, I really hope that there's some sort of economist that's gone to university and never experienced any of drug taking. And he's actually gone and made this correlation between (laughs) weed. You're not going to believe this, boys. I'm (laughs) onto something here. You'd imagine these, now that you can sell it legally in America, these dispensaries, surely they're absolutely lined with snacks as well. You'd think so. You'd want, like, concessions, wouldn't you? You'd be, if you were, like, a cookie company, they'd pay big bucks to get some floor space in there. I remember seeing something just before they legalised it, where they were <laughs> saying about, like, the effects on the economy, and they're like, what are these, like, rappers like Snoop Dogg and Wiz Khalifa going to do? When it's no longer a flex for the amount of weed they have, but the fact that Everyone in America can just go and buy the same thing if they wanted to, but it clearly hasn't mattered, and they've got away with it anyway. What I find incredible is that you've got kids that are like 16, 17 in Colorado in prison for weeks, for like years. Like over here, you get like a slap on the wrist and a caution. Over there, you get like five years for possession. And there's people going into shops now and buying the stuff that they're in prison for. But that's sweet Mary Jane. Anyway, the fun is over, Jack. Um, 
we'll start with the breaking news for today. I was about to say, do you not have any more headlines? No. <laughs> After weeks of us, well, actually, we did 50 days ago, 5-0, Chelsea were top of the Premier League. Come to now, Frank Lampard's out of the job. So the news broke this morning, what, about nine o'clock that Frank was going to be sacked today. About yeah, an hour later, confirmed. When you see Fabrizio... Yeah. You just know. Well, that, that Matt Law is like, isn't he like the Ornstein equivalent for Chelsea? Yeah, he knows his shit. And then about an hour later, we get the news that Thomas Tuchel is the one that's going to be coming in. So I've got an excerpt from Chelsea's statement. They said, we're grateful to Frank for what he's achieved in his time as head coach of the club. However, recent results and performances have not met the club's expectations, leaving the club mid-table without any clear path to sustained improvement. There can never be a good time to part ways with a club legend such as Frank. But after lengthy deliberation and consideration, it was decided a change is needed now to give the club time to improve performances and results this season. See, what, what they've done is they've stitched him up. And my conclusion to this has been, right, last season, well, a couple of seasons ago under Sarri, fans hated the football they were playing. Fans hated Sarri as a person as well, really. Really unpopular. Just because he the smoked. Board, the, board, the board have got themselves into a position where they've got a transfer ban for the club from the dealings that they've done. So they thought, right, we need someone in that the fans will never, ever turn on and someone that can bring the youth through without any transfers. They brought in Frank, knowing full well that he'd have 100% support from everyone. So even if the season was a bust there would still yeah. be a good feeling around the club. And that's exactly what happened. But what they didn't account for is the fact that even with blood in um, Mason Mount, Reese James, Tamori at the time, Tammy Abraham and the rest, and keeping the older players happy, he then got top four, which I know is quite debatable the way we got to top four and getting pipped by Man United at the end of the season to third was poor, but it was COVID, it is what it is. Getting to an FA Cup final, which he was unlucky to lose. Um, what do you mean? Well, I'm not going to delve into that now, but... Well, red, what was unlucky about it? A dodgy red card. Our best player Gosh. gets pulling a hamstring straight after the second half. I'm one nil up. William, who wanted to go to Arsenal, refusing to play as so he sits in the stands and ending the game with nine players. That's unlucky, whichever way you want to look at it. Oh, we had a um, double agent in the Europa final. Let's not forget that. Yeah. Jody Morris literally commented under it saying double agent check out in his post. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, not to go into the Cup final, but again, first season, unlucky. Um, first season, unlucky to win the, uh, not to win the FA Cup, but a good all-round season, top four. So you go into this season, now the board want the players that they want. And it's, it's famous at Chelsea <clears> that... <throat> They appoint a head coach, they don't appoint a manager. All of the transfer dealings come through Marina Bonkowskano or something like that. I can't quite pronounce it. However, all the all the transfers come through there. So they're going to get the targets. And then it's up to the head coach to basically make it work. And where we did well last season with, although there were some games where we looked very defensively open, this season, we had a pretty shaky start to the year as well. But then we went on a 17-game unbeaten run through all competitions, Champions League, Premier League. And 
it was a top of the table clash between us and Tottenham, like you said, almost what fifty days ago. It started December. Um, um, and they're thinking we're not quite seeing the best. Werner is scoring, but we're not seeing the best out of him. Havertz looks like he's never kicked a football before. <laughs> um, and Frank just couldn't get it to work. And Frank changed his system for those players. No ends. He played four two three one with Hazard um, with um, Havertz as a ten. Played Havertz out wide, which definitely didn't work. He looked okay in the ten position. Um, and then they played the four-three-three with one holding and two eights with Mountain Havertz. And again, that Burnley game, you just seemed to click and it looked really good. Then he got COVID, and I think he must be suffering with long COVID because he looks so lost on pitch at the moment. And you can't really blame Frank for that. As for Werner, it was electric when he started. I can blame Frank for playing him on the wing so often because he just isn't a winger. And he's lost all his confidence from playing on the wing. But he's still our top scorer this season, which people forget. And now you get to a position where that Everton game, everything was looking pretty rosy. Beat Sevilla 4-0 away from home, which not many English clubs still think only Man City has won there previously from English clubs. And we play Everton, have a really weird performance, get done by a penalty, um, terrible mistake from the keeper. And then our goal drought just starts. And, and it's, as soon as we lost confidence from knowing that we're not going to score goals. We just reverted to type and our defence went to absolute shit again. The dust has settled a little bit on this for me because I've just been dwelling on it all day. Um, From it happening to start with, finding out, and then looking at it on the flip side. So I've tried to look at this objectively. And the failings of Frank are there to be seen when it comes to, say, for example, if you're playing a match... And the other manager changes something. He, he does take a while to react to it. Like in the FA Cup final, Arteta changed the tactics and they're going to score two goals. And Frank, I, although he couldn't really do much because he had two injury substitutes, he had one person he could bring on in the end. And then a red card. And then, But in other games this season, I look at the Man City game, I look at the Arsenal game, and it was so predictable. If we don't get the first goal, we don't win the game because... When a team scores against us first and Frank, we can't break them down. We just constantly overstretch. And they'll go and score two or three quite quickly. Arteta gave him that kiss of death. Yeah. But I look at it and I'm I'm sad. Really sad. (laughs) Because when you become a manager at Chelsea, you know how it's ending. Anyone can get it. Look at Dimitero, look at Jose Mourinho. Anyone can get it. Um. And it, he knew it was always going to happen to Frank at some stage because that is just the way it goes. But the one thing that I, I love, I, I love, I love a comment that actually came from Frank Lampard on when Vias Boas was sacked. His comment was, <laughs> "The player had no part. The players had no part in his dismissal. He played his cards, and they didn't work. Maybe he was too young. Maybe he were, Maybe the job was too soon for him." Uh, to be fair, when Frank first got the job, I immediately thought that. I thought, realistically, you want Frank to have at least four or five years under his belt, really cut his cloth. Because you feel if that... If he had four or five years, he wasn't making it to the Prem. Well, you say that, but you look at what he's done. And he's got Derby, who were all thinking to a playoff final. Or was it semi-finals? One of the two, final thing. And then he got Chelsea with a transfer ban 
This transfer ban is the biggest load of nonsense <laughs> in the world. All I've heard, however long chance this week, is excuses for this man. It's 120 million in a transfer ban and got a player from Real Madrid in Dortmund. <clears throat> that was more than we spent that window. We know how much you spent the last two windows. Yes, Just less than you. Than um, I think even look at if even if you put it right down to second season of management, that's still a decent, a decent accomplishment. Like there's loads of obviously comparisons between him and Oli because of playing for their club that they now mm. manage. But Oli's had ten years of experience as a manager. And up Come until on. recent, and up Come until on. Recent, one we've, one thing I will say: countless segments on how bad Ollie is, and you weren't saying about his experience then. Friends, no, one, 220, that, that, 226 does, does million. One Again, thing I will say: what one thing I will say is that we've seen how quickly things can change this season, yeah. and I think with how ruthless Chelsea are as a club, um, I think the timing of this is unfortunate. That's the only thing for Frank Lampard that's unfortunate. The swing of the, the loss of momentum and the, the dip that they're in, the timing of it, because it's right in the middle of the season. If that's, they said, that's what it sucked him. Yeah, I know. So like that, that's my point. I, I think that's the only thing Like, if this dip came later on towards the end of the season or earlier, I reckon he, they would have given him a bit longer. But because it's at a crucial point in the season where they can make a decisive change and still, you know, potentially go on and try and achieve something this season, that's the difference. Whereas, well, was, you know... All... You're 100% right. Because <laughs> this is when we always sack our managers. It's just after the Champions League group stages. Phyllis Boris was after the first round of 16 against Napoli. Felipe Scolari was around this time. Jose Mourinho was December 2015 or 2016. Um, so this is where they do it. And they know that you get proven results in a way. The only time it hasn't really worked was when we sacked Jose and Gus Hiddink came in for the second time. Because every other time, we won the Champions League. We won the FA Cup in the previous times as well. This, this is when they like to do it. Um, so why are we crying about Frank? We so said, yeah, we, you can't have any complaints. This is the yeah. way the clubs run. Two of us have been saying he's a bum manager for the last two seasons. Me, I think I recall me and TK saying at the time when we did our transfer window pod, that 200 million spent was the worst thing that could possibly have happened to Frank. The worst I think, thing. I, no, I think you definitely... It gave him the rope. You are. And you are. I knew he was done when he started growing that neck beard. He's a man that's well-groomed. When that neck beard comes out and Frank can't be wanting to just trim his neck, <laughs> you knew it's over. It was over. We've got Harry Redknapp <laughs> defending him on Sky Sports News at the moment. I wonder which side he's taking. All day, <laughs> I've seen sob stories for Frank. These pundits. We weren't Frank. seeing this for Ollie when he was under pressure. Nope. Well, we weren't seeing this is, for Arteta gonna, when he was under pressure. They're all going to be working with him soon. That's why they're saying good <laughs> things about him. So, oh yeah, Frank should have been sacked and he lines up next to him in a studio in a couple of weeks. <laughs> I think, <laughs> I think, I think... I think a different, the difference as well there between him and Ollie is Ollie is Lampard is a Chelsea sweetheart, and Ollie is a player who was part of a famous squad. You know, he's he's not. He, he, there's a crucial difference there. I think Lampard no. carries a lot more presence no, in the won't. wider community. Ollie think... hasn't been back the same way Frank has, and Ollie's taking his licks. I I messaged Jack last week. 
during that press conference where Frank went at that journalist and said, I've seen all the things you've been writing. Not very impartial, are you? And for one, I've never understood going at a journalist and then expecting him to change a tune about you as if that's going to help. And two, it's simply never worked uh, when a manager argues with the journalists. It no, just shows was... that you're absolutely rattled. Yeah. That, that Frank is... tried saying the players have seen it. Frankie's last three press conferences after a game blamed everything on the players. Mm. Let's not forget that. No old Frank. No. You look at the reports that have come out today, players saying some of them haven't heard from Frank in several months because he goes in there after the game and he blames it all on them. They were claiming Frank would have walked away if it wasn't Chelsea he was at. So of this this sob story, as you said, Frank didn't have a choice I... of these players. Vern has come out and Havertz has come out and said Frank was on the phone telling them we've got a five-year plan here. <laughs> no, I've, I'm gutted, obviously, because it's Frank. If it was anyone else, I'd be probably calling for their head. And I'm being completely 100% honest because... I wish we could have got Terry in. He's right. He's... The last... The problem with the results have been is where we haven't just lost games because we've had a go and they were the better team or we were just shit out of luck or whatever. We've looked poor for the last six weeks. And that you just don't get that at Chelsea. And that is the problem. And I knew it was going to happen because it always happens at Chelsea, no matter how much you like the manager. But at least you just know now that any manager can get it. The only thing that worries me is they were going on about this project with bringing the youth through and wanting to look more towards the academy. And Frank did that really well. The problem is now is that people, 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 what? <laughs> as soon as he got a chance, <laughs> yeah, Christ. Oh, dude, the only person that got a chance is Mason Mount, Amrys James, and Sammy oh. Abraham. Tammy, oh, Tammy dude. only was played when Lampard felt like it because he tried dropping him for Giroud a couple of times, and he clearly wasn't that confident with him because he brought in Werner. I'm, I'm all I'm saying is that the next managers that come in. They'll look at Chelsea and people go, oh, it's a poison chalice there. No one's going to want to manage there. Oh, are they fuck? Of course they're going to want to manage there because they get paid for a three-year contract in 18 months every time. <laughs> That's why they want to come manage it. Well, have you seen Tuchel's only been given an 18-month deal? I've seen the reports of that because I still haven't seen him being With there. an option that they can both agree for an extra year if they want to. Christ. It does worry me. But they're right because that's the way they do things. What's the point? in giving someone a three-year contract when you know you're going to be only getting 18 months. The amount well, I mean, I'd be... say probably don't appoint a manager that you're not entirely confident in that you're expecting to sack. I think, really, they wanted Nagelsmann and Leipzig, it's reported, have said that you're going to have to wait to at least the summer. Everyone wants think... Nagelsmann and he ain't going to go to Chelsea if he has the choice. He yeah. likes a project. And I, Well, this is the thing. This is what I was getting at, is that they're not going to attract any managers that want a long-term project. The problem is, look at, like, for example, Klopp. It took a while for him to get it. And then they were unbeatable last season. And the season before that, finishing only one point City in second. You're not going to get a manager that puts that much time and effort into a club where they know as soon as they lose a few games, they're going to be under a microscope. And you lose more than two, three games in a row and you're out. <clears throat> you're going to get... Do you, have you, have you, 
have you finally accepted that this concept of a project at Chelsea is never going to happen? Yeah, no, definitely. Because if it's ever going to happen, it was going to happen under Frank. Um, and unless you consistently win the league, it ain't ever going to happen. Um, so we'll get, we'll go back to our our system of hiring the next best thing. If they win the league in their first season, great. If they don't win it within two, they're gone. And that is the constant trend that we're now going to have. The problem is we're now running out of managers to hire. <laughs> We've already hired Jose twice. Who else are you really, really going to get? Uh, yeah, some is... of these players will have a look at themselves as well. Pulisic. Pulisic needs to have a look at himself. He was Chelsea's saviour a, a couple of weeks back. He has been injured pretty much all the season. He has just hasn't hit any form. He came back in that Everton I'll game. I'll tell you why he's not hitting form. Back, he's posing in bootcut Levi jeans for GQ. <laughs> Your confidence yeah, can't be up when you see yourself in the mirror after that. I, 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 really, I really don't understand how anybody thought that this the Lampard bringing through the youth at Chelsea was going to be a sustainable project that was going to go past one season after a transfer ban. I mean, you look, you, you when the club is just built on money, 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 how on earth, how on earth, under any circumstances, do you think there isn't going to be any pressure from up top but Chelsea to have some of the play best big name players, players in, big... in the world? But no, but that's not, that's not true because part of the remit now from their board down is that they want to see the products of the youth team being played more. So what you said to me or Alex? Uh, both of you if you want. But the problem well, I'm is saying Chelsea do have some of the best youth players in the world. Well yeah, no, they do. And this is why they want them being played, because they want to either get money for them or not waste money on buying in after selling a good youth player. Like you look at Lamps and he plays Billy Gilmore when he's fit. Um he plays Reese James, he plays Tammy Abraham, Mason Mount. Billy Gilmore is a myth. All he has to do is be on the pitch and they give him out of the match. If you watched him play, he's brilliant. So why isn't he starting games then? Because he's been out for about... Well, he was starting games last season, got injured against Crystal Palace, had knee surgery, and he's only just come the, back. The other thing is, though, as much as Lampard can play these players, but there is a key bit of you need to win as well. Yes. It's, so it's, it's that, lovely giving them a game, but <laughs> ideally you should be winning them as well. Well, this, this is the problem we've got, is that... Up in like that severe game, we played him off the park, and I, I would never seen such a an assured away performance from us. But then since that Everton game when our bad run started, the the play has been just I've never seen anything so bad in my life. It just looks so abject. Even the Fulham game, uh, you, if look, they don't get out of ten men, you don't win that. No, I agree with you. We were lucky what? to win that as well, and I just don't understand how it went from free flowing scoring on average, two-plus goals a game to not being able to get a goal for love nor money. Did you, did you, do you remember the uh, Batman Forever film with the Riddler where uh, the thing they had was they were going to be able to like take the thoughts out of people's heads and he had that little screen, he could watch one and all sorts. Yeah. What do you think you'd have seen if you had one of them devices on Frank's head when <laughs> Jacka scores a free kick from however far away it was? Just, I bet he said some awful things in his head. Yeah, just just cunt in capital letters. This, this 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 was a man saying how much he admires Donald Trump a couple of years back. Let's not forget that. Says he intrigues him. He says whether you love him or hate him. 
<laughs> didn't say he loved him. He also told Sterling he was wrong as well. About what? Um, white managers getting preferential treatment, which, looking at the answers today and the media coverage today, I'd say he makes a fair point. I think it's more coming out the fact that he has worked to get where he is, and that is obviously up for debate. With if Chelsea want to prove him wrong, they should appoint Sol Campbell today. Should <laughs> we talk about Thomas Tuchel being the replacement? So yeah, he's come from PSG. Chelsea, as uh, Ornstein said on the Athletic, Chelsea quite literally won a football manager. Click languages spoken German, and that was their shortlist. Nagelsmann <laughs> not available. Tuchel's just been sacked. Don't have to pay anyone out. I think and that's literally that's literally what we've got here. I, when I, you do, I think if you look at it on the bare face of it, everyone's enjoying, reveling in this now and taking the mic. But you're going to get better football. I, I feel you're going to get more. I've got down why it's a why it's a good appointment. The, the main criticism that has been said during his time at PSG is that he struggled to manage stars, and we're talking. He's fallen out with Neymar, he's fallen out with Mbappe, Di Maria to some extent. And this isn't a disrespect to Chelsea. Chelsea don't have a star no. like that. No, you may have not. some of these players with the ego. And if the reports are true, the likes of Marcus Alonso are the ones that really pushed this through to say, we don't want this guy here anymore. I don't understand how Marcus Alonso has the, the weight. <laughs> yes. well, the thing, the thing is, and someone <laughs> pointed out, in the Premier League, where you do have the pressure that you do have, and we do have the squad sizes that we do have. When you look at Arsenal, you look at Chelsea, and it's the same issue with these clubs. You don't get it so much at City and even Liverpool with the, the man management there. It's your bench players are the guys that have the egos of the star players. And you have the likes of William, David Luiz, major playing Chelsea players here, but your Marcus <laughs> Alonso's, your Azpilicuetas, and this kind of player who when they aren't playing, they truly can't work out whether you show them a highlight reel or not, why they aren't playing. And Tuchel isn't going to have to manage any of those players. And I do think that's what the thinking was at Arsenal in, we're just going to get these guys out of there and it just wasn't quite as smooth as that. Mm. But you had it with Chelsea towards the end of Lampard and Terry where report that they were the guys who shifted about six managers out. But yeah, I kind of understand that. At least. You can see that they would have the influence to be able to do that it's not like Marcus Alonso you're thinking how are people looking at him as the guy that we're going to get it's weird him? it's weird though yeah. isn't it when you see the names that it was remember like Nasri and Benzema were reported to be two of the players that like led the revolt in, this, in the French dressing room it's like, <laughs> how are you two the ones here doing this <laughs> Ben Dombele was meant to be one of the ones at, at Spurs who like everyone proper looked up to and <laughs> when it wasn't going well he's, he's the guy you mean, who you uh, mean, can lead things mean, the right or wrong way do you say Undembele or Dembele? Undembele. Really? When you do the reading, he's, they even said it in a documentary, didn't they? That he's one of the biggest characters at Spurs. He's one of the leaders in the dressing room. No, you're getting confused. With, it's Sissoko. Sissoko, you're getting confused with. I'm getting confused with Sissoko. That's not a good look. That's not a good look, Luke. That's not a good look. That's not a good And Dembele had his issues with... Uh, with Mourinho, you can you can see my point, but 
it's, it's, the point is, it's the guys you don't often expect. <laughs> the other thing as to why I think Chichelle uh, is going to be perfect for Chelsea. And apparently the final straw as to him losing his job at PSG was when there was the incident with the racist linesman and Tuchel told them they should be staying on the pitch and carrying on. Don't worry about it, he was telling them. We'll do our talking on the pitch. Couldn't be going to a better club here than Chelsea. (laughs) Chelsea have done more for anti-racism campaigns as a club than most other clubs. That's like saying for a community service, I've done more for the community. Yeah, but what crime did you do to answer that? People who do the speed and awareness courses, like, I know more about, I know more about road safety now. Look, getting off topic, go back to the yeah, yeah. too cool, but I think... I was look, on topic. I, I think the way I look at it is with when we lost Jose for the second time, it was gut-wrenching, and for the first time for that matter. Let's not forget, he left the training ground in the boot of a car. Look, <laughs> what the point that the point I was getting at it was gut wrenching to the fact where it was a double whammy where you absolutely adore the bloke and you really at that time don't think there's anyone better in the world than him. To Spurs. So, so how how are we going who are we gonna go and get that's better than Jose Mourinho? That's what goes through your head. You're Whereas not thinking that with Frank, are you? Well this is what I'm saying. <laughs> this is what I'm saying. With Frank, it's not a double whammy. You absolutely adore the bloke, you love him to bits. But you probably, I've looked at it objectively and I think, yeah, we're probably going to play better football and probably be a bit more dangerous and solid under Tuchel. So it's not that double whammy. It's that kind of right, you've got to come to terms with the the fairy tale is over and that love you've got for a legend of your club. You've got to get over that. And if you look at it objectively, you're probably thinking, right, OK, let's crack on and see what we can do with Tuchel. What and we said about Tuchel's involvement. involvement. Well, he's looking at a replacement because that's, he's a director of football. It's his job. He has to do it. <laughs> hey, look. He's not going to turn around and say, Frank's my mate. Sorry, I'm not going to do my job. I'll be like you two. Jimmy Redman gets on TV and does it. Come on. Yeah. But like you, like saying, oh, Luke, uh, your mate isn't really... Uh, Someone approaches me tomorrow and, and says, boot Jack off the podcast. I can't deal with him defending Frank anymore. I say, look, I'm the, I'm the director of podcasting here, but <laughs> I'm putting my foot down. <laughs> what are you kicking me off or are you uh... no I'm saying oh, we're looking probably, for replacements I think, I, think, I think that's the nicest thing you've ever said to me on the podcast <laughs> hey <laughs> I'll take your, I, I'll take what I'm giving here ethics like we just get a German guy on instead yeah. hey look me and Petter Czech we're just built different huh. I would agree I think, with that you want to see me podcast in a, in a scrum at I think going back to that I mean you look at the bare bones of it and he sorted out our defence finally what it looked like um, for those 17 games we went unbeaten. It looked like he was properly building something. And then as soon as it went downhill, everything that was going wrong last year and everything that was going wrong at the start of this year was starting to go wrong again. And I don't think it's three to happen. us and we don't score goals. But this is the thing, is what I'm saying. Um, and I do think as well he's going to know how to get the best out of Werner and... Um, I'm hoping he does something with habits because if not, that's an awful bit of business. Um, Pulisic, you hate a league high four goals under Tuchel at Dortmund, by the way, if uh, you needed a reason to be excited. No, that gets me so excited. Happy days. If if Frank had to uh, stand in court now, you've got the Chelsea squad and the staff lined up in the benches and they said to him, point 
uh, who you feel is most culpable for you losing your job here, who would he point at? Obviously, not in Frank's nature to do that, obviously. But <laughs> hypothetically, should he wish to do that? He'd blame um, all of them. The honest, in my honest opinion, from all the, I'm getting so many different reports coming out of the younger players being almost bullied by the older players that aren't getting <laughs> games. I'm talking about internal unrest. I honestly don't know. I honestly, I think really he's got to just take it on the chin and accept that. Which one? Come probably, on, if they say to him, you've got to, soon. this is saving your job, Frank. You pin it on someone here, you keep your job. I'm probably going to have to say Kepa last season. He cost us so many points. He <laughs> points at Timo and you know it. <laughs> the stinky one. I don't think it, it has hurts. to be. The Germans have let him down. Those does Frank, does job. Frank's job stay if Timo scores that penalty? I don't know. And the thing is as well, it's not Frank's fault. Like over the past few games, Timo <laughs> has got. Himself... You should get up on a t-shirt. It's not Frank's fault. <laughs> <laughs> the bloke could have murdered everyone if we go. It's not Frank's fault. But what I'm saying is, Timo Werner the last few games has got himself into goal-scoring positions. He's had chances which he should put away, and he just hasn't. You can't blame yeah. Frank for his finishing. Yeah, well, he's got... Frank's man management apparently leaves a lot to be desired. So. Like you said, Clayman as a winger killed his confidence a bit as well. Thought he should have recognised that I've got to play more centrally. Yeah, that did. That that really really did call that early doors as well. Because even Cause... earlier in earlier in the season, he was Werner was getting a bit stiff. I was thinking, I'm, I'm not seeing this. When I'm watching the game, his movements red hot. He looks absolutely yeah. fine. He's just not finishing it off. But as yeah. obviously those games tick on. He's got progressively worse in his performance because he's Steve Bruce did the bits. same with Joe Linton. Yeah, what it, what, <laughs> what it, what it he was. He said less responsibility on the wing. <laughs> I think like with Timo, like he wants to run in behind and get into the space. And that's what he wants to exploit. He doesn't want to be picking up the ball on the halfway line and facing two banks of four. That's not his game. And Frank really should have recognised that sooner. Even if it was changing his system to playing two up top with two strikers and like wide midfielders but playing him on the wing was the worst thing he did that if Frank that, stuck with Giroud he's still in a job again I think if, when he looks around that dressing room he can look at Giroud and say fair play chief you did your best to help me out here yeah that's true I think you're right and I'm not blaming Giroud for it but at the same time he'll score goals and he'll do stuff that no one out, no other striker on our team can do. Like his link-up play is fantastic. Put it in positional, the net. And putting it in the net, he's brilliant. At. What he's not good at is the pace of what Frank wanted to play at, and he did look completely isolated. And I think that was down to system as well. I think this, like I've, I've said many a time on the pod, this overloading of the wings with the right backs and one leaving our defense exposed, and two pulling everyone out of midfield. So you've got a little cluster of four players by the corner flag and then one player in the box and no one in the field. I just found it such an odd tactic. I've never got my head around why he did that, because as soon as you lose the ball once, one pass, and they bypass the midfield, and they're up against two central defenders, because our wing-backs are up by the corner flags. And I never understood that tactic. The risk versus rewards was just so weird. Before we move on, um, out of 10, how upset are you? When it first happened, I was like... 9, 10. Now I'm going through the curve a little bit and the only thing that is really dragging me through it is because at the moment, let's be honest, the only thing that we've got to look forward to at all is football at the moment because 
there's nothing else we can do and the fact that my whole of December and the whole of January was pretty much ruined because the one thing I was looking forward to in the week was actually making me feel worse I think the relief that it's probably going to get better no matter how I feel about Frank now I'm probably going to say I'm, I'm still at about a seven of upsetness the, the, the lad that me and TK know who's um name rhymes with uh, Wham Loft was <laughs> texting me last week saying, you know, I agree now, Frank does have to go. Today he's having a tantrum saying, oh, we're, we're a joke, I can't believe we've sat Frank. He's deleted tweets. The, man has, the man has deleted tweets. I, I think that I, I was always going to back Frank for the help whenever. Like, we could lose as many games, I'd never be Frank out, no chance. And I thought if he's given time, he's going to have to learn on the job and learn quickly. I thought he'd be given the time to do it. And he didn't and the more he learned the worse he got you you knew you knew Chelsea fans were turning in that they weren't generally going out saying like Lampard out or whatever but if you stuck him on the spot and say if he left tomorrow and you could do it in a respectful way would you do it they'd all go they say this about they say no I absolutely love the bloke didn't want him to be sacked (laughs) no it was we remember differently yeah they say some sort that it was a it was his time so if if Tuchel comes in and gets it right, it's going to be exactly the same, isn't it? It's like Frank just wasn't quite up to it yet. If we if we go from one shit show to another, um, <laughs> Liverpool uh, really are struggling at the moment. Uh, gone at the FA Cup yesterday to Liverpool. I don't think any other big teams went at the FA Cup this round, so that was a shock. We went out to Man United got... to give them their credit. It wasn't, it wasn't just us. You then, you then got the other kind of results. You've got the Burnley loss. What was it? First loss at home since like what was it twenty? Since black and white TV, I think. Yeah. Um, but a, the question here: What is the single biggest reason for Liverpool's struggles? And I've got visions of me going to you first, Alex. Here, and you give me three answers. So I'll go to you first. What is the single biggest reason for Liverpool's struggles? Van Dijk. So, not having him or... Yeah, signing him. <laughs> Van Dijk. <laughs> Van Dijk being missing from the changing room. I, I could I, I could, could say it's a, um, like a, a post-winning season lull, like I've said, you know, like when I was given my reasons at the start of the season to why they wouldn't win the league, I'd go proud of that. But I think the decisive moment the most important figure in that changing room is Van Dyke, And I think that is why, you know, they are, you think of the amount of goals that they've, they've conceded, which you could really see him having a part in preventing. And also, you know, he is their captain. He is that leader in that squad. And, you know, he's part of that winning formula. So for me, it's Van Dijk missing. Um, Jack, what about you? I think it was the recruitment in the summer, if, it, if I'm brutally honest, because you look at Man City and they've had company out in the past and they've still won the league. They've had the Bruyne out for most of last season, but they've got the right recruitment to be able to fill those gaps when needed. And I think FSG have really got to take the bullet on this one, really, because you, they get a few big injuries all at once, Liverpool, 
And after winning a Champions League and then a Premier League, you shouldn't have to bring on Divock Origi to win you again. That's, that's <laughs> he not won the Champions League, man. I, I know, but that is not who you should be bringing on at this point, this, this far down the line. They should also, have sold him while his market value was at its highest. Yeah. 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 And then to try and rely on Williams at centre-back and Fabinho will play midfielders in centre-back, you should be having decent centre-backs to be able to back you up. I mean, Chelsea had a plethora of centre-backs to choose from. Arsenal, they may not be any good, but at least you have centre-backs to choose from. Um, Apparently, we're terminating Mustafa's contract, so it could be a great January. Um, <laughs> but the depth, or the lack of depth, is worrying, and that is the underinvestment in the squad, and that is FSG's fault, because they have this weird thing where they can't be seen to be overinvesting in Liverpool because of their other sports franchises in America. Whereas if you had owners like Man City or Roman Abramovich, you know damn well they are ploughing the money that you've got from winning the Champions League and the Premier League straight back into the squad. And that 226 just, million of it. Yeah, and that just doesn't happen at Liverpool. And they will always have this problem if FSG continue to neglect their squad. And this was just good. this was just waiting to happen because they. I remember talking to Liverpool fans and they were like. Van Dijk's just freakish. He just never gets injured. He just turns up week in, week out, plays every competition. <laughs> and if, if he ever gets injured, we're fucked. And I don't know anyone that said that to you, kid. <laughs> I mean, it was, it, was, it was a freak injury. I, I, wasn't I, was talk, I was talking about... Archie said this to me, those exact words. No, I, it, was, it, was, it was quite a fair point, to be fair. Yeah, and I was thinking, yeah, you're right. If he does get injured, you're fucked because that is the foundation of which your team's built. I know that we look at the front three at the moment and they're not firing, but I think that all just comes down to complete confidence of the team in general, that they're just not feeling on it. They're feeling overworked because that squad can't deal with how many games they have to play in such a short space of time. And then, even though that doesn't happen, when Klopp then changes it around and brings Shakiri, Origi and the likes of those in, that's just not the same level of quality that you need to be replacing the front three you need to be able to switch it around a little bit and be, feel confident that you're still going to have the same impact on the pitch do you uh, want me to give my take before you give yours TK yeah feel free go on so similar vein I think Van Dijk obviously has to have the mention but more so than him not being in the defence I think it's the compensating for the loss of Van Dijk so I don't think the defence has been too bad until the last couple of games, but also that your best midfield has been moved into defence. And then you've almost had a system change when you look at your setup last season compared to this season. And last season you you had what, so you had like what you call a six and then the two eights in front of them, whether that's Fabinho dropping deeper and then be Wijnaldum and Henderson or whoever else in that midfield in front of them. And then this season, probably because Van Dijk isn't there, seem to be setting up with the two sixes and one eight in front of them, whether that's Curtis Jones, whether that's um, one Aldum expected to go forward or Shakiri in, in recent times. And so it's not a complete mentality change, but it's certainly a structural change. And the whole thing with Liverpool was the speed at which you move forward, everything about that. And yeah. just that one little change with moving Fabinho backwards and then having to kind of adjust to that 
I think that's been the, the real thing there because Henderson, Thiago, Wijnaldum, a combination of those two deep, that doesn't scream speed in getting out. And then that's kind of the whole thing's moved backwards. So that would be my take. Yeah, yeah, you're probably all all fair enough, I'd say. Um, if you're looking for something else to sort of go in there as another factor, I do wonder just how much a case of Fergie, I, I know I've brought this up on the pod before, but Fergie always used to say that essentially you had four years of keeping people's attention and then something had to change, i.e. most clubs as the manager. But in his case, he'd change up, you know, assistant managers, coaches, he'd change players in terms of transfers and stuff. Uh, if you wanted to be, um, I don't know, a little bit doomsday, is this Liverpool team coming to sort of the end of its run? Or is it just a blip? I, I don't know. It's just if a separate factor to that. I do agree with what you boys have said. I think... The lack of depth has been exposed, but I guess the root cause of that is Van Dijk injury, and the results have kind of reflected that since. I think touching on something one of you said about the, it's not just that his obviously defensive skills. I do think in attacking sense, we take advantage of his ability on the ball, his ability to pass the ball out anyway. But also, it must just give you so much sort of liberty up front, knowing that you kind of you sound at the back. And I think we've said before that teams sometimes stop running at you when he's playing. Yeah. And you don't have that when he's not there. They're, they're happy. Not Pepe. And you can see it with <laughs> you can see it with teams and you've just got so much more sort of confidence and belief now whenever they play as that they can get at you. Whereas, you know, I know last year was a freakish run anyway, but people were almost beaten before you got on the pitch with them. So and I think that probably leads into why we're not scoring as many goals as well. Just with him on the pitch, you can play ten or fifteen yards further upfield. Which you, you can't see do actually anymore. Barnes interview after the game where it's easy to say after the fact, but it's, we were fully confident coming into this game that get through that opening spell and then we fully buck ourselves to get him beyond. Yeah, and, and Carragher said it on his analysis that he said that now when Liverpool get into sort of even after just like the hour mark, it's like the clock's just ticking down and they don't they don't know what they're gonna do and so everything's rushed, every Everyone's second guessing what they're going to do. Whereas, contrast it to the last couple of seasons, getting it going into the last minutes was sort of our prime time. We knew at some point yeah. we we're going to get it. And I'm, I'm sure you can say that not having fans in there is a part of that as well, which I'm sure it is. But it does seem to be that if you're looking for a root cause, as well as just being a bad injury, the luck for Liverpool has kind of run out in so many times since the Van Dijk injury. I mean, that's an unlucky thing anyway. So many things have kind of happened since that I think it's. I wonder if it's seeping into the players' minds as well that they're feeling a bit sorry for themselves. I think how it's sort of how many times over the last couple of years something's gone for you. This year it hasn't, and whether they've got you know sort of too comfortable with things going their way and now they need to respond to it, maybe. Going to find out a lot about Klopp, aren't we, as to whether he can dig them out of it. I'm not saying he's, he's going to be going the same the same way as Frank, but whether he kind of gets down on himself and puts it on the players or whether he figures out a slight change because he obviously he does can't look at, just hang around and wait for Van Dijk to be back. No, and he does look a little bit flummoxed by the way. You know, the fact that he's brought in uh, Shakiri and Origi in different games and tried to mix the system up tells me that He's a little unsure of what the the problem is, uh, and it's been pointed out as well that you know he did have 
that season with Dortmund where for a bit they were in the relegation zone yeah. and the build over the place. So uh, it's not like it's unprecedented for him. He has had this situation before. And if I'm not mistaken, didn't he quit rather than dig him out of it? Well, well obviously he picked him up a, a little bit. Uh, I can't remember where they were by the time he left. But it, you know. Yeah. Quit, quit sounds a bit uh, leaving him in the lurch, but I think it probably did get a bit too much for him. So Yeah. I mean, he's got a lot more to work with in Liverpool and he's got a lot more money in the bank, I'm sure. So. It's a funny it just, thing, isn't it? If, if we nick that result against United at the weekend, people are probably saying they've turned the corner and, you know, because Salah scored, Firmino set it up. People are saying they're, they're back in it now. Instead, it's still sort of uh, doom and gloom. This, this kind of form, though, is when you can have a good Champions League run or you can, with City kind of in all areas... Will be interesting to see whether they bomb out of they bomb themselves and look at what how it worked for Klopp in previous years when they've been kind of focusing right down the middle and say, "Oh yeah, we don't need this FA Cup actually," so we're going to follow yeah. suit. Mm. I've got a couple of bits of transfer news, um, and then we'll we'll do our uh, bigger one next week. Next week we got the Super Bowl preview, and I did plan to get. Goff back on after the last time he was on United had just been battered by Spurs Cavani had just joined and he was unsure about that signing so we'll see about how things have changed in that time um, has come out today and say once again the people within Liverpool are saying look we ain't going to be doing any business this uh, this January we're going to solve it internally we've got players to come back and we're working towards the summer so if you're a Liverpool fan, I don't think you're taking the day off work to sit in and watch deadline day. <laughs> um, we've got incomings and uh, outgoings at Arsenal. Ertzel has completed his move to Fenerbahce yesterday after about a week of him confirming on his Twitter but it not being over the line. In the end, Arsenal didn't terminate his contract. They actually did get a small fee for him, which will only be payable within bonuses. So I think he can get up to about £2 million, So... I'm not saying we got a big fee for him, but we didn't have to pay him off, which is uh, the important thing there. Um, Matt Ryan, out of nowhere, you don't really see these days, do you? A case of a transfer coming out of nowhere with literally no media getting any sniff of it. I can't remember the last one, really. Probably even the Fabinho to Liverpool one, you did still get a hint of it before it happened. This Matt Ryan one, I didn't see any mention of it anywhere. No journalists putting the feelers out for that, are they, to be fair? No, but even still, you hear, like, I heard about Callum Chambers and Rob Holden coming to Arsenal yeah, at least a yeah. couple of days before. And you see even with, like, I knew about Arsenal signing Omar Rekic back <laughs> in the summer, who's just playing with the reserves for now. So you hear about just about everything. And this one was just like, Matt Ryan said he had a call one day saying Arsenal were interested. And then a week later, he's put pen to paper on a loan contract until the end of the season. His contract runs out next year. So I guess Arsenal will hope he provides some competition. And then whether they try and get a small fee for him or they move on to another backup target. It's not a bad backup target, is it? hundred Over 100 Premier League games was first choice of Brighton until apparently he fell out with Graham Potter. I think he's a good backup keeper, yeah. 
Yeah, I think it's Sandra Nassani. Um, Socrates has gone. He's gone to Olympiacos. We did terminate his contract. Um, apparently Liverpool put the feelers out, but not enough for him to uh, stop what he was doing and hang about and wait. So he signed a two-year deal to go back to Greece. And then the bigger one so far, Martin Odegaard, or Odegaard, however you uh, pronounce his name, he's coming on loan from Real Madrid to Arsenal. Apparently a two million loan for Arsenal paying his 38 grand a week wages. We'll see how we go. I'm quite relatively inexperienced, so you would think he's not going to come in and have a kickstart, but I guess we'll see how we go. He's hyped enough. I just said nothing earlier. Who scored, given their strengths? Just about everything, bar goalkeeping, I think. <laughs> this this is the player that everyone wanted to sign on FIFA, like FIFA 12, FIFA 13, wasn't it? He's, a big, he's supposed to be a wonder star, not a wonder kid. Big thing, apparently, just to Dan's system, he had the choice out of Isco and uh, Odegaard. And I did see a lot of Real Madrid fans being quite perplexed as to why he didn't go for the younger option. When you look at the output they're getting from Isco, they've been trying to ship out for about three years. And then Asensio is a bit of the golden boy there, isn't he, as well? So, uh, even though he's not been performing, they do play him in that role sometimes as well. Mm. The, the admirable thing, though, is he does seem to be a player who does want to play football, which is always a plus when you see some of these youth players. And although there's no purchase option, they say at the end of the season, if he enjoys his time at Arsenal, which remains to be seen, then we'll kind of be at the front of that parade, so interesting to see where he plays. Yeah, if, you, if you're going to play him right, I think it's a great sign. I've, I saw only bits of him at Sociedad last year, and they were talking, saying he's like the best player in the league at this point, outside of you know Messi. But uh, so if you can deploy him right, I think it's brilliant. Obviously, if you play Arteta ball, you could get lost. Well, it's a bit different the last couple of weeks, and one of the interesting things in Emil Smith Rowe's interview that he did after the last win was he said. Arteta's given him what he calls a free role, which mm. we certainly hadn't had since he came in, really. No. And so he was playing in kind of what would have been the Ertzel role. And I've seen some Arsenal fans saying, oh, but we, sh- we don't need him. We've got Emil Smith-Rowe, and as good as he's been, young players like that, for one, he's injury-prone, which is why he's not started sooner for Arsenal. And two these young players have ins and outs, don't they? They can, yeah, they can yeah. be good one second. I mean, I don't think he, he's been bad, but Curtis Jones was looking spectacular a couple of weeks back. And then along with the rest of the team, the forms dipped slightly. And I think he made a mistake in two, was it? I can't think what game it was. He made a mistake that led to a goal and he was getting some, these things happen with young players. So, some yeah, competition at least. Yeah, you can't have too many of them, I don't think. So, and the pedigree there, if he is what he is, then Emil Smith-Rowe should be waiting in the wings for him anyway, so we'll see how we go. Stabile seems to like it at Arsenal. It seems to be a bit different to Odegaard in that Stabile's every interview he gets still says, look, my future is at Real Madrid if they'll have me. My dream is to play there. Maybe it helps that he's Spanish, but the performances we've seen, even at his best, I'm not sure he's fitting in as a 
Real Madrid player. I'm not for that rushing him back, are they? No. So we'll, we'll see whether we play him, we try him as an eight or we play him as a ten. Or it may even be that on the games when Tierney doesn't play, then Saka goes to left back and Udegaard plays out on the right. So mm. I think he's getting progressively more sick of Willian and Pepe, who <laughs> neither of them. Actually, I think Pepe had the worst game against Southampton. Probably our best player, but William, as much as Arteta keeps saying in the presses, look, we're going to stick with him. I think it's reaching the point where they say, look, we made a mistake here. And uh, how much is he on a week? It's it's the rumours kind of vary, but it's between a hundred and a hundred and fifty, somewhere in that margin. For three years. Yeah, because the, the rumours say that it's 200 plus, which apparently if he got all of his bonuses, which he's certainly not getting, so yeah. I don't sort of think we need to worry about that. Um, the left back is one that's being linked with Ryan Bertrand is the one, but I don't think he's going to leave being a backup at Southampton. Uh, being the, the number one at Southampton, he back up for us, and I don't think we're going to pay that cash when He's out of contract in six months. I understand Danny Ings saying he wants Southampton to break their wage structure to keep him. Bertrand, I'm not sure, has the same swing in that regard. I don't know if he's just sneaking into the board meetings with Danny Ings and saying, you know what, I absolutely agree here, Danny. They need to be breaking the bank if they want to keep players like us. <laughs> or he just puts his Champions League winner's medal on the table and says, you know who you're talking <laughs> to here. This is a very uh, low-budget Ashley Cole versus Thierry on really yeah. circumstance, isn't it? Um, William Jose is going from Sociedad to Wolves. That's been confirmed. Loan deal with a £20 million, uh, mandatory future fee. Paul Patrick Catrone got pulled back from Fiorentina for a week and then said, you know what, we actually remember how bad you are. <laughs> We're going to get someone else in. So they did that pretty swiftly. And from what? I've seen of him, which is very little other than the, the highlight pieces. Looks like he'll be a good signing for them, at least until uh, Jimenez comes back, who they obviously can't rush. We have had some business at Chelsea. Uh, Tomori to Milan. Um, he's gone there on loan. There is a buy option there for around 25, 20 to 25 million euros, they're saying. The Milan CEO said he fought two for nail and insisted that we want this buy option in there. And so it is refreshing to see Milan actually doing some smart business. and They are looking a bit more well-run at the moment. And it's a strange one for Chelsea. Because it's a strange move for them. Maybe I, I if Tomori knew Frank wasn't going to be there, he'd just oh, hold on a week. I don't know what has happened with Tomori, because when he came in, he looked pretty good. And he's mm. fast for a centre-back as well. Milan just love fast. Maldini loves fast centre backs, so that's probably yeah. half the reason he's there. Yeah, I suppose to go way back to when Thiago Silva was known as the fastest centre back. Yeah. Um, but yes, I don't understand why we've let him go when you've still got the likes of Christiansen on the books. I just, I'm <laughs> sick of the disrespect he gets. Same oh, as mate, I, I was, I was I, Team Christiansen for about three years. I couldn't wait for him to start. But he's lightweight. He's lightweight. I've been chairman of the Christians and Haters clubs from an early start. So I love, yeah, I love me a frail white centre back, European preferably. I'll be on board. John Stones, 
there's a player in there. Say, get him well, to look, Arsenal in January. Things have turned out around incredibly for John Stones. Yeah, I think a lot of that is Ruben Diaz being alongside him. Also at Chelsea, uh, Danny Drinkwater um, has gone on loan to Casim uh, Passer and uh, he put a nice Instagram story, uh, yeah, uh, a picture of him celebrating when Frank was sacked earlier. In a Leicester shirt. Yeah. And um, one more bit of business, Jack, that you might not have known about. Um, Lucas Piazon's out on loan. He's gone to Braga, (laughs) if you can believe it. Fuck off. He's got... (laughs) No, he's got a permanent move. It's not loan. It it was loan on the uh, BBC and Sky transfer tracker. So unless it's got an obligation there. No, because there was a whole thing about him leaving permanently. Finally, yeah, finally go. Uh, Piazon transfer. Just checking now. I can I can see the uh, transfer. I can see the stories. Yeah, it's an actual transfer. It says, oh, contract terminated. The BBC must have uh, got it wrong. I can see what the the sons the sons say. Yeah. Yeah, it's permanent for Braga. That's even more. That's even more sad. Well, I'm just oh, fingers crossed it kickstarts his career. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought, like again, wanted it to work, but it just never did. Um, Jack Wilshire has gone to Bournemouth. Um, says Stevie G never got in touch. If that, I know that was the rumor for a while. Um, a lot of West Ham fans crying because he did an interview saying that his style of football didn't suit West Ham which seems a, a fair statement for anyone that's watched West Ham and knows what kind of player Jack Wilshere is, style-wise, but West Ham fans, sensitive bunch they are, do seem to have taken that to heart. Max Meyer has left Palace by mutual consent, which is an odd one. We all thought it was quite a coup when they signed him, and I guess we'll never know what happened behind the scenes because he pretty much never got a game, did he? Yeah, strange one. Don't really know what happened there. Really weird when you look at some of the players they do have in their midfield. Roy's got that in him. Football manager do still say he's got high potential, so keep an eye out. Snodgrass has gone to West Brom. I did ask both Evo and Rubes when they signed him, is this better or worse than you were expecting? Um, They claim better, so expectations really are on the floor (laughs) in the Midlands. Everyone's just saying about what, what lovely fellow Snodgrass is. Like, that's not really the point, I don't think. Well, that's, that's what Piers said about Lampard. He said, you won't find a nicer guy in football. I'm sorry. That doesn't make <laughs> you a good manager. <laughs> Ollie seems a lovely bloke. I was going to say, Ollie seems really nice. <laughs> just, just not sure if he's cut out for the job. And you've, got, you've always got a guaranteed free parking space at, uh, <laughs> at the training ground, so what more can you ask for? Imagine if every other spot's taken. Does he still... <laughs> you know what, I'll park it around the corner. It's fine, I'll walk in. Um, West Ham managed to get over £20 million for Sebastian Haller. And they call FSG... Not FSG, DSG, poor owners. The amount of money they pump into West Ham... They don't know how lucky they are. Yeah, they gave him 45 million to spend on him. <laughs> <laughs> I do find it funny they've, they've sold that only striker. 
and they haven't bought another one. Well, I've got a bit more on that. The, the guys there, they tried getting Eddie Nketi. Apparently, we turned down twenty-five million. Who that's the hell is fucking, running this club? That's fucking mental. <laughs> <laughs> um, Manchester United manager Ole Gunnar Solskjaer will allow English forward Jesse Lingard to leave on loan during the January transfer window, but a final decision will be made by the Old Trafford club's board. Why did they extend his deal? It's like us extending Ertzel by another year and then continuing not to play him. Thinking they can get something for him? Clearly, once you've put the feelers out, you can see what's <laughs> <it's laughs> happening. Now, there is a bloke that does seem a lovely chap. What a stick he got just for doing a little video saying beans, beans, beans. <laughs> and that was the end of his career. Ollie was like, I've had enough for you. <laughs> um, West Brom are considering former Leicester forward Ahmed Musa on a short-term contract. The 28-year-old Nigeria international is without a club after leaving Saudi Arabian side Al-Nasser. Can't say I know much about him other than he was quick on FIFA. Honest. Also, looking at their options, probably can't do much worse, so... <laughs> can replace what they've lost in uh, Charlie Austin. I him going back to uh, QPR, isn't it? Aston Villa restructured their offer for Marseille midfielder midfielder Morgan Sanson and a finalising a 15.5 million move for the 26-year-old Frenchman. What that told me is they're not expecting to be able to keep Ross Barkley. If currently I'm taking him back. <laughs> I'm sure you are. I, I find it funny that it took us to sign habits for me to appreciate Ross Barkley. <laughs> Give him a German nip. I... Always thought the criticism of Barkley was harsh, although I acknowledged he was frustrating. Until he took that shot in the FA Cup final with the clock running out from about 25 yards straight into a defender's shins. And I thought, right, I can see it. I can truly see this. Imagine if we had a conversation in the summer where we said, in January, Jack, you're going to be so sick of habits, you want Ross Barkley back. <laughs> But man, I, I would not have believed it. Oh, no, even like it, it can't possibly go that badly. Any I, player I, so far that me and TK have said can't possibly <laughs> be anything think, but a success at their club. I think it started with Lukaku at United. You can get with yeah, it started with Lukaku, didn't it? At United. I think we mentioned him. I know we said it about Alexis Sanchez. Christ alive. I said it uh, for Timo Werner at the uh, the last World Cup when I picked <laughs> Germany to win it, him to have the golden boot, him to have player of the tournament. <laughs> and it didn't quite happen. Um, Chelsea yes. have knocked back West Ham's offer to take 26-year-old Italy defender Emerson Palmieri on loan. Chelsea just, just hoarding these players. Well, I think they just really don't want to play Alonso. <laughs> free, free the magician. That's all I want to happen. Free Zappacosta. I thought he's gone. Man playing football. Is, is he not gone? I thought he's not alone, is he? I don't know. Vanishing act, if so. I've not heard about it. Yeah, he's, he's gone. He's somewhere else. Imagine what it's like at that training ground. 
You're all just asking. I wonder who's going to be here today and who's not. Just, is he still here? Oh, well, it was some Carragher said, didn't he? Where he was like, you'd see some players come back and you'd think, I thought, I thought you left last season. <laughs> and then he said, you must get in at Chelsea and think, crikey, you're still <laughs> yeah. here. Um, as I said, Arsenal are weighing up a move for Ryan Bertrand. And finally, Burnley and West Ham are battling it out for 16 million Josh King, who's out of contract in the summer. How good is he? I'm kind of told he's good. Josh King? I can't, yeah. I think I reckon he'd be a good signer for West Ham. How no, much yeah. you have to pay for him, obviously, being key. He's out of contract got... in the summer and he'll be free. Right, that's, that's fair. Because I think the problem was he was getting linked with Man United at one point and for like 35 yeah. million. So you thought, well, let's pump the brakes here. Well, they said they'd he... say no to 35 million. Yeah, that's, that's mental, isn't it? I, I think he's a good Premier League striker. Remember when Chelsea were going to pay 50 for Callum Wilson? I mean, I've, I've said before that the money Bournemouth have lost out on by fucking about, only to go down in the end. They should have just did a file sale while they could have signed up half these months. And lo- lost Ryan Fraser on a free, wasn't it? They yeah, turned down Fraser 20 million from us for Ryan Fraser. Yeah. Yeah. They, uh, Thank God. They turned down a ridiculous offer for Ake and then ended up selling him this year for like 30, didn't they? So they could have got at least double that. Shit, I forgot Ake was at City. Is, is he? Yeah, Chelsea play? could have had him. How mental is that? Has he Chelsea could have had him for 30 million, wasn't it? The buyback? Yeah, they had the. Maybe even less. It would have been like 28 or something like that. And he actually would have played at Chelsea. Yeah. Someone at Chelsea was shown Thiago Silva's old highlights. Like, we've got a hell of a player here. <laughs> to be fair, I think he's one of the few. Emerging with credit this year. I, don't, I can't get that West Brom game out of my head. <laughs> One mistake. Um, pretty decent apart from that. You played against us, didn't you? I can't remember. Well, I didn't see many of your defenders that day. Is what I'm asking. Blocked out of my mind. <laughs> um. <laughs> I'll narrow this last one down before we get on to the UFC. So the, the question we did have was following Michael Chandler's big win at UFC 257, what are the best debuts you can recall? What's one that comes to mind for you, Jack? Um, didn't Torres make his debut for Liverpool against Chelsea? I'm thinking that was his home debut. He did play yeah. away the week. What counts it? Players don't seem to have a good debut for Chelsea, and I can't remember much other ones. There are clubs outside of Chelsea. I know, but I can't think of any other debuts. We've spoken about your striker record as well. <laughs> First one that came to mind for me was Wayne Rooney, both against Arsenal, oh, yeah. where he scored that volley to win it. And, the and they said, Wayne Rooney, remember the name, and yeah. his Champions League debut and United debut against Fenerbahce, yeah. where he scored that ridiculous hat-trick. Yeah, the fame actually came to my mind as well. Do you remember uh, Sergio Aguero's debut in the Premier League against Swansea? He came under the sub, didn't he? 2011. Yeah, sent off. Scored yeah. two and assisted one, or scored one assisted two. Yeah. Yeah. Martial was... against Liverpool was pretty special. <laughs> Peaked, really. <laughs> Not entirely, nearly so, yeah. lost it. <laughs> he thought it was very special. 
Federico Makeda against Villa. Makeda and Rooney were the, were the two in my mind. I mean, Makeda's one. I mean, pretty much won them the league. Ben, it goes in his favour that he did fuck all else in the way. <laughs> Different sports. I can remember um, Khalil Mack signing for the Bears and his first game was against the Packers and they were saying how important he was going to be. And I think in the first half, he got a sack, interception, forced a fumble, won the fumble back, scored a touchdown and injured Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> and then we still somehow won with Rodgers on one leg. So that kind of over overlooked his debut, but he was ridiculous there. McGregor, who we're going to get on to, his debut against Marcus Brimage, where he kind of had that it factor even that far down the card. Mm. Um, Justin Gaethje's UFC debut, um, probably the biggest name before uh, Michael Chandler to come into the UFC uh, main event on his debut and put on fight of the year and then did the backflip off the cage, much like Michael Chandler did. And the final one I had down was Ronda Rousey against uh, Liz Carmouche in the first women's fight in the UFC, which was for the inaugural women's UFC title. And she was caught in an armbar herself, nearly had to tap, snuck out of it, and then landed her own patented armbar and started off with a great start for women in the UFC. Mm. I, I did have that. Aubameyang against Everton was the, the biggest debut I can remember as an Arsenal fan. Alexis Sanchez was in the Emirates Cup where there was an excitement there, but I somehow found myself in what must have been a self-appointed stand-in section of the Emirates, which, if you know me when I go to the Emirates, I like to have a nice comfy seat, watch the game, stand up occasionally when we've got a goal, but be comfy for the most part, and I ended up in the standing section for the entire game people around me singing Aubameyang's name to the tune of the Muppets. <laughs> oh, and I, so I had, I had 90 minutes of this bloke behind me going, Aubameyang. <laughs> I had made in my hands. Ramsey got a hat-trick that day. Um, it was also Mkhitaryan's debut. He got a hat-trick of assists. And Aubameyang chipped, chipped the keeper about 10 minutes into his debut for the perfect start. So... That was the excitement there, but those were the ones that came to mind for me. And obviously, we'll get onto Michael Chandler in a moment. TK, so Con- contrast, contrast into that. Um, does do either of you? Do any of you remember Antonio Martial's debut against Liverpool? Fuck are you? Fuck right. Are off. you having me on? <laughs> so no, no, no. The reason it stands out for me. Jack, he did, you no, no, no. what he said about he, he, uh, Frank Lampard. Do you want to give him your thoughts about it, just in case you didn't catch it? <laughs> I literally but mentioned he, this five minutes yeah? ago. Did you? I, <laughs> <laughs> I thought Alex was going to go, no, 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 hear me out, but he's just going to recount it, isn't he? <laughs> but I, honestly, I didn't. I must have missed that. You must have only just briefly mentioned Are it. Are you going to mention Martin Tyler spaffing in his pants? Because we covered that no. as well. No. Well, I just must have missed that. I'm in shock. <laughs> <laughs> well, as TK said, do you want to give us your thoughts on Lampard while we're here? <laughs> uh, I'm, uh, I, I'm, uh, if, I, if I'm being honest, I must have become a little bit distracted because I am trying to keep an eye on the Tottenham game as well. Well, there's levels there because, I mean, I've watched halves of Arsenal, even while Arsenal losing during the podcast. And, uh, yes, we're just built different. <laughs> 
do you have any more to mention before we let you go? I mean, Rooney against Fenerbahce was a good, wasn't it? <laughs> nice try. <laughs> he was testing the waters there because he wasn't listening for that one either. No, I was. I was. I. 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 I, I literally I can remember all of the other ones you said except for that. Except for that one. The reason it popped into my head again though was I remember distinctly that game. Um, after that game, I had about three in, United you just fans. Heard me mention it. The three, three, three United fans coming up to me saying, "I think Antio Martial is the next Thierry Henry." Like he is the next Thierry Henry. That that was when it started. That's why. Obviously, we're talking about Arsenal and Thierry Henry comparisons jumped in. Was Thierry Henry's was Thierry Henry's debut any good? No. Yeah, a stinker for about a season. So I say first eighteen months wasn't fantastic. Same with Perez. But if we let you go, me and TK will do the UFC and then we'll uh, call it a night. So much appreciated as always. I don't suppose I was going to say, Jack, did you watch the UFC? But see you later. Um, you, you've not got your standard movie question quiz. Is he gone? Yeah, Jack's gone. Yeah, um, <laughs> he's had enough. What? Yeah, you're not going to ask it. He's going to fuck off and actually went. This week we're doing trading day. Against Mission Impossible Fallout. Oh, uh, I'll go with Mission Impossible Fallout. Okay. All right. Well, if you, you just go, this... you just said all I heard them was like a little subtle. Okay, like that guy in the video. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to talk about it on Thursday, so I don't want to give much away. Okay. I think I'm going to watch Thursday tonight. Enjoy. All right. Mm. Adios. See you later. Ta. Okay. I couldn't get him off the phone there. He's giving me the you hang up. All right, <laughs> TK, before, uh, before we call it an evening, I do think we're going to have a short episode today. As I say, I aim for us to be an hour and a half these days, but. The actual that content too. actually hasn't overlapped. It was that initial burst, if you remember, the, the news yeah. of the weekend. You're disgusted at their own meal choices. <laughs> Extended into half an hour. Yeah, yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> so we did have UFC this weekend, UFC 257. Um, for what was a decent a decent card, um, exploded into being probably two of the moments of the year um, when, when all said and done. Certainly what will probably be the moment of the year um conor mcgregor loses in the second round to dustin poirier and michael chandler as we've just mentioned knocks out dan hooker um two i was quite confident in going the other way last week i know you were confident in mcgregor as well mm. um on both fronts to be honest i, yeah. I didn't see a way hooker didn't win but do you want to start with mcgregor or chandler let's get chandler out of the way and get into the uh Get into the bigger one. All right, so the, the big slight against Chandler coming in is has he wasted the bulk of his career sticking around in Bellator where he's, he's been picking up some nice checks. Bellator knew that he was one of the few that is recognised as being legit. And as big a compliment as you seem to get in Bellator is that you can compete in the UFC. Yeah, even if you're the best guy there, maybe you could be yeah. competitive in the UFC. I mean, Michael Charlie has been remembered mainly for his fights with Eddie Alvarez that he had back in uh, 2011 and 2013, where he won one, lost one. So, 
people didn't really know what to expect. His last fight was against Benson Henderson, who, when you go back and say Anthony Pettis beat him for the title in the UFC, tells you kind of <laughs> the frail man he had in front of him. He he lost his title to um, Patricio Frere in Bellator, so you weren't really sure what you had. He comes out stocky rest. He's your quintessential wrestler, really, in build and everything about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wickham are one nil up against Spurs as well. Jesus. <laughs> so Alex has left the <laughs> the wrong reason. <laughs> um, yeah, he comes in aggressive from the start. He doesn't look like he's overawed by the moment. Chandler, not Chandler, Hooker said in his interviews, whether you believe that or not, that he'd never watched a, a Michael Chandler fight until the fight was booked. Right. He said he respected what he'd accomplished already, but he didn't really get what the hype was. He said he watched his fights and thought, okay, yeah, this is going to be a fun fight. I've got the perfect attributes. I'm tall, I'm long. I've got great takedown defense. And he said he'd be the perfect matchup, which is kind of what we echoed last week. And then it looked like he almost respected him too much, didn't it? Backed off against the cage, circled around the outside, tentative leg kicks, ones where he wasn't really committed to them because he didn't want to be taken down. Very tentative, wasn't he? The, for, from the from the jump, and Chandler looked like like you said, he's built like the, the classic wrestler, isn't he? But he looked ready to just detonate a bomb at any point. I said from from what little I've seen and know of Chandler, yeah. I didn't think he was really that guy. And I thought Hooker really, if he's at it, he'll be able to time him here. But he just never did, did he? Like you said, back to the cage almost the whole way. I know it wasn't a particularly long fight, yeah. but never established himself. Which Anyone... I've never seen him do. Anyone small and stocky like that that has any power gets the Tyson comparison, which is shameless <laughs> yeah. enough as it is. Um, well, when you call yourself Iron Michael Chandler, you're yeah. kind of trying to lean into it, aren't you? It's a bit of a, bit of a reach. But it, it's a combination as old as time, isn't it? You, you, you go to the body to open up the head and literally work that to perfection. He, he kept doing those kind of short shots into the body where there was nothing on them. It was purely just to get Dan Hooker thinking about the body shots. And then the one time that his footwork, his footwork was great really because he was backing up Hooker to go where he wanted him to go rather than just following him around the cage. And then the one time he thought he had him in position, drops that little shot to the body, hands come down and then bang over the top. And the thing you just said to me about Hooker there tells me he never even thought this could be a possibility, I think. I think he didn't think... He obviously saw Styles fancied himself as, as we... Kind of looked yeah. like a fan, didn't he? He obviously thought, well, this style should beat this one. And he backed his chin to hold up, which obviously you would. I can understand where you were. He's been in some wars. But Chandler couldn't Weird. hope to sort of land a better one. Weird, though, to... It's almost like the night before the fight, he suddenly maybe watched a different fight or something because I can't imagine the game plan is to be that tentative because you're not really no, being Dan no. Hooker when you're like that. No, you're right. There's... Or even if you're backing off, you back off in, and I've seen them talk about it before, you've all you've almost got that inner ring that's kind of drawn out inside the octagon and you circle around that rather than right literally on the cage where you're trapped. So you can move backwards and still be landing your shots. And so this way around was just, just strange because he never committed to anything. 
And Chandler can be hit quite clearly. Yeah, you can even, when, you, when you're watching a, a guy like Hooker, you can tell when he's off the back foot as a game plan and when he's off the back foot because he's being made to do or because he's, like you said, too tentative, too nervous or whatever. And you never felt he had any sort of control in the fight. That he didn't lay down the marker. And I guess with someone like Chandler, he would have carried on doing that all night if you let him. So yeah. either way, whether, you know, I know he landed a knockout punch, but it wouldn't have been pretty even if it had carried on. You can't be any, like, tentative against him. He's been stopped with leg kicks before as well, Michael Chandler. He had, do you remember um, in Cejudo against uh, Demetrius Johnson, where he got kicked and his leg just went dead? Um, So this happened to Michael Chandler. And then they made it worse by, um, they were kind of sitting him down, I think this was the fight, but they were sitting him down in the corner to kind of check on it. And they pulled the, well, the doctor was going to have a look. And they pulled the stool away as he went to sit down and then they were like, look, he can't support himself here. And they called the fight off and his leg probably oh, wow. would have come back. Like, but you'd think that would be the route for Hooker to have been to stick and move. And me and Rory both said that knee up through the middle that he does so well. And it looks better for Chan- Chandler, doesn't it? Because he, he's one punch to drop him and Poirier and Felder hit him with everything but the kitchen sink and he was still up and in their face. Yeah, it, it looks great for him, doesn't it? If, if the what happens in the main event doesn't happen, Chandler's probably the talking point of the weekend. But as it is, he's yeah end up having the carpet kind of taken from under his feet a little bit. I don't know if um, Dan Hooker was was retiring or not because he took his gloves off, didn't he? Um, that was worrying, wasn't it? We we don't really want to see him. Cage. He's only he's only a young guy. Um, yeah, that was. I didn't know whether I was. Uh, you know, he's, he's, 30, he's, age. He's, he's turned 30 this year in February. Actually, he'll turn 31 um, in a fortnight. There's plenty of big nights left for him. Though. It's not, you know. I know that I know that he does coaching as well. So unless he's going to lean into there, but since he since he's entered the UFC in 2014, I, I was a big fan of him ever since I saw him beat Ross Pearson with with a, a knee. But he's been he was in there with Yair in his in his fourth fight and he lost mm. the decision. And he went on a crazy run. It's crazy to think he went in as a underdog to um Mark Jacasey. Yeah, subbed him, knocked out Jim Miller, knocked out Gilbert Burns, who's obviously fighting for the title in mm. Fortnite or whatever it is against uh, uh Kamar Usman. He took one of the worst beatings I've ever seen in the octagon against Edson Barboza, which also doesn't help. But that was mainly to the body, where he looked like he had his uh, liver like doing loop the loops around his body when it, every time <laughs> it was kicked. Then he slumps James Vick, puts a beat on Ally Quinta, beats Paul Felder in a split decision. That was a fight of the year, well, our fight, split one and pod fight of the year against uh, Dustin Poirier. And then, yes, it's just, it's an odd one. The lucky thing to him is this lightweight picture, which we get into. There's so many fights there. He's going to regret taking this one, I think. You reckon? Well, Nate Diaz was talking about Dan Hooker. And Nate, if he's talking about you, he, if he either calls up champs where he isn't really expecting to fight them. Yeah. Then you look at the other guys he's called out. He called out McGregor when he wasn't champ and got the fight. 
he called out Masvidal, got the fight. Mm. He had the beef with Pettis, he called out, got the fight. And he was tweeting, not even disrespectfully towards Hooker. He was tweeting like, Dan Hooker, he's, he's a real one. Mm. So yeah. he, he could probably have got that fight, but uh, it's, it's just what happens, I guess. I think it was harsh that Israel Adesanya, you said, was the one driving um, yeah, race cars around outside his hotel window um, all night. So I don't know if it was, is he? Because I didn't see him in the corner, but he added him with it going on. So not a great yeah, I, didn't even know if he was there. I didn't see him, but he added him saying, and I saw in the comments people saying, like, not ideal, but. <laughs> Don't know. Uh, don't know what's going to happen there, but I know he kind of let into the shtick for a while that he was kind of going to be a wind-up merchant, Dan Hooker. But he did say at the start of this year, like he doesn't really like that. I mean, he's not going to bow down to everyone, which you saw with Charles Oliveira, but he's not going to do it for the sake of it. So he is quite a likable personality. And now he's lost two on the skid. He must be thinking he's taken a beating in both. Does he want to do it anymore? Even worse, he's got to hang around for two weeks now doing nothing before he can even see his daughter again. He's got to hang around yeah, for a week, then that. go back, and then two-week quarantine. Mm. Before we move on, Michael Chandler, and we've complained before about people not using their opportunity. I don't know how much of the undercard you watched of the Holloway fight, but um, Alessio de Chirico got the, his biggest UFC win with a head kick knockout of uh, Joaquin Buckley, who was the guy who had yeah. um, the KO of the yeah, year yeah. last year. And then he refused to do interviews after. He said it's bang out of order. You don't interview the losers as well as the winners, which I'm sure is because he's been on the losing end quite a few times of late. <laughs> and so I said, I won't, I won't do it. And it's like, you just got the biggest win of your career. Make the most of it. Yeah, yeah. You've got very, as Chael will tell you, you've got 24 hours. And then Michael Chandler... He's rehearsed that beforehand. He called out both McGregor and Poirier to have his bases covered. He said to Khabib, look, if you're coming back, he's been calling out Khabib for years, I know. Um, he said, you won't be 30, you won't be 30, no, you'll be 29 in Chandler, is what he said. He's <laughs> one in the, the presser afterwards. I didn't yeah. know he had those, those chops on him and he didn't stutter nothing. No, I thought he was very, uh, very clean and polished, and I did appreciate what he was doing. I do find him a little bit cringe, only because he is a little bit um, self. Just very American, <laughs> isn't he? Yeah, true. So, uh, but did you watch the embedded? Yeah, he did seem like a real nice fellow in his wife. He's saying about how obviously him and his wife adopted you know, yeah. a kid and stuff, and he does seem like a really nice fellow as well as the. Uh, kind of salesman pitch that you get yeah. at the end there. But like you said, you've got a limited time. You've got to do something a little bit different, and he did. Especially with um, what Khabib had said the weekend before. And, well, and I think, you know, bearing in mind the what we said, I think I said I can't see anything that someone like him or Hook or whatever could do no. that would send out enough of a statement to get Khabib out. That performance and then the interview afterwards is the maximum he could do. So if Khabib doesn't now... He He's already come good. out, Khabib. Dana's already come out, so which did show to me that it was quite literally the sales pitch for the pay-per-view that um, yeah. he said he spoke to Khabib straight after the fight and Khabib was like, 
look, Dana, I don't need to tell you, I'm levels above these guys. <laughs> so well, I'm pretty yeah, sure you knew that going in. Yeah, I did reaffirm so, it, I didn't. There was, Dana does that looking for a fight show, and there's a, um, there's a fight promotion out in Abu Dhabi that Khabib was sat caged like for filming the episode. Right. And they, Dana puts his arm around uh, thing, and he's talking about um, the weekend's fights, and he's like, "The way this is trending, biggest that we've had, kind of thing." And then he says, uh, "Think what, what you think about what you and uh, Connor could do for a second time." And he does like he's like seventeen years old, and he's going, "I'm just saying, I'm just saying," <laughs> putting his hands up like that, and Khabib's like. I'm, I'm not an idiot. Like, I'm pretty sure Khabib knows that him and Connor would do ridiculous numbers. He's just not interested. <laughs> yeah, it's a difficult man. If, if you can't bribe him, then you're pretty much done, aren't you? So, no. so then we got to the main event. Um, perfect kind of a curtain raiser that was to get you hyped for the, for the main event. For sure. And the lightweight division. Connor comes out first, which was odd, seeing him come out first his last two UFC fights now. I, I thought he looked up for it. My brother messaged me, um, big McGregor fan, he does watch all the UFC, he doesn't just tune in for that, but he was like, I think Connor looks a bit nervous here. Really? He did say the same for Dustin, so maybe he was just... Uh, I, thought, I thought Dustin seemed, even in the week, I thought he seemed very uh, jumpy and stuff. Uh, the, the, the thing I was a bit jealous of is um, my brother doesn't usually stay up for them. When right. he's got kids to uh, look after too, <laughs> he, he usually just he'll just fall asleep. He's like, I can't write off the next day kind of thing. I'll be woken up at five. Yeah. Um, yeah. But he stayed up for this one. I think paying for it is the incentive some people need to keep them up. It is true, yeah. And uh, so he had that extra bit of nerves that you do get watching it live, even if you don't know the result just watching it in the early hours does add that bit more. So I think he was just pumped up. So everything he was seeing, he was like having to kind of say out loud, like, he looks nervous. See, I don't like this. I don't like that. Little like we're, we're supporting someone or if you've had a bet on them. Yeah. Everything, every bad thing comes into your mind. <laughs> and there's the Bruce in the octagon never feels longer than when you're just desperate for it to start. Yeah, yeah. I kept looking at the, um, the cable on the floor from the cameras, and I kept thinking, Dustin's going to trip over this. The way he was looking, I was like, please don't do this. And the fight starts. Um, Connor looks to settle a lot quicker, even with the takedown that Dustin lands almost from the jump. I thought he looked good in the clinch exchanges, which anyone that says... Connor is just a kind of one-trick pony, doesn't know what they're talking about because he's almost as well-rounded as as you can get in terms of his kind of base ability for each. He's just clearly a striking specialist. He was controlling that well. The shoulder strikes are working, and I was almost in my head thinking, I just want to at least have a round of this. Yeah. Because he was touching Dustin, wasn't he? And I was thinking, oh... Yeah, he he certainly seemed to be able to get to him, landed a couple of good shots. I thought he had Dustin Hurt once or twice. Yeah. Where I thought, bearing in mind, you know, the conversation, I know Rory said it a lot last week, how good he is finishing, which is absolutely right. And I thought maybe, 
he wasn't ready to go, was he? But I thought maybe no. uh, Connor might have looked at it a little closer, but probably didn't think it was going to happen what would happen the following round, did he? And I know they, they it's easy to say afterwards. I'm not sure the leg kicks were the main plan going on. I'm sure they were planning to implement it because Connor isn't usually that flat-footed. He's usually bouncy on his feet. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know if it's because he's knocked Dustin out before and he was so determined to put on a statement or he's worried about his own stamina, which he says he wanted to go rounds to prove the case that he doesn't have a bad gas tank. Um, but from the, the moment the first one landed, Dustin says he realised that as much as Connor was trying to check them, the thing that was the worst thing for him is Connor thought he was checking them correctly. And he said he wasn't turning the entire shin round. So as much as Connor thought that it was hurting Dustin back, it wasn't. And he was actually digging even more perfectly right into the muscle. And he explained it a bit deeper and he said it's called, um, I think, compartmental... I think he said syndrome or something like that. But essentially, um, if you get hit in the face, then the swelling will spread around. Like it isn't just if you get hit in the eye, it'll spread into your cheek and that kind of thing. Yeah. He said if you get when you get kicked in a certain part of the calf, it's almost like um like a pocket of air. Like rather than it spreading up your leg, it'll just push further outwards and just put more pressure on the muscle. And so yeah. it almost just inflates what you've got. And so it's just hurting even more each time that you get kicked there. To the point where it's just pressing on the muscle that much that there's nothing you can do, which eventually it does give out. But he said he just knew he was money from there. And I think the real turning point was he took the one shot, didn't he, from Connor, and they landed that little check hook straight back and he pointed at him and yeah, laughed. Yes. Yeah. And it was like he's feeling himself now. Mm-hmm. It probably was a big thing to get hit that first time. Because literally last time, one shot and he was done. He literally didn't take more than one shot. Yeah, and I, I think that was... I do think that was in McGregor's mind as much as, you know, he's a professional, he respects him and all that. I think he thought, once I hit him, he's going. It doesn't really matter what else. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. It's not our job not to think that though, is it? It's not our job to no, no. Uh, sort of account for everything. And I, You know, it... The problem with, and particularly with the McGregor one, because they're so big, is once there is a loss, we go back over everything and we kind of rewrite it and kind of look at it as, you know, has he been too relaxed this week? Has he been too friendly? Has he been yeah. preparing right? Has he sort of lost the eye of the tiger, if you were to borrow a very cliche term? But we weren't asking this going in, were we? I think it's just Dustin. Like, he can't... You need you need this, someone to come back at you. And if it's Holloway... As much as Holloway is a nice guy, Holloway is going to give you some back where mm. he's at least, like, even if it was Hooker, Hooker is going to say enough back oh, Hooker that, would be sure. that it's interesting for him. And Dustin just refused. And I think in Dustin's mind, that's what got him in trouble the first time. So he was determined that he almost killed him with kindness, didn't he? And then in Connor's mind, I don't know if he's thinking about the Khabib fight in that he let the emotion overwhelm him so much yeah, to the point yeah. where so they're probably both played into and, each other's hands perfectly and it you know it had no bearing on the Cerrone fight did it albeit no you know, we know we know what Donald Izzy is but it's the same sort of setup there. yeah like him respect him all that good stuff I think Connor thought 
it'll go the same sort of way. I'll finish him nice and early, shake his hand. I can go back to doing what I normally do against someone more deserving yeah. of it. But yeah. uh, but it does it does beg the question as to uh, you're not the same guy once you've made the sort of money he's made, does it? I, no. I, I respect he said... him for just continually getting in because he doesn't have to do it anymore, and he still clearly wants to compete. But does he still want to take punches in the face? He said in his um, press conference after, he said, I put in the work. Um, I'm not incredibly upset. I'm not too down on myself. And he said, which is weird for me. He said, I haven't quite worked that out yet. But then insisted that... That kind that of concerns me. Or, you know, people will say yeah. that sounds good, but that, that is concerning to me. <sighs> it, it's, it's definitely a weird one because... He clearly, as you said, wants to compete because you wouldn't get back in there. You wouldn't get back in there to do it. And no. People will say that the Mayweather fight was a mistake in taking that time off, but then also everyone that you ask if they want to make a hundred million dollars to get in there and do that, then they're all going to do it. So I don't sure. blame him. No, no, no. For doing it, and then just the whole thing, the, the mark against his name is saying that he, he can't overcome adversity. Hmm. I think he did somewhat in the second Diaz fight. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Because he was knackered. He uh, was taking his licks and he still came out and then won the fifth round. Yeah, exactly. So, But my brother messaged and he said, uh, oh, it's annoying, man, because uh, I thought his stamina looked good. I said, Jack, they fought for seven minutes. Yeah, yeah, that's... He said, he said, yeah, no, but, but that's seven minutes. And I was like, well, unfortunately, <laughs> that was the bare minimum that, that we kind of expect. So, did I, did you think, and I know Rory put it in the thing in the immediate aftermath that he felt he looked old. Did you think, I, I don't necessarily, I said somewhat jokingly, but there is some truth to it that the boldness didn't help. Does kind of yeah, it that. definitely did does. You think, did you think he looked a little bit frail once he did start? Again, I just I don't yeah. know. He he I did look slightly different in his body because the leg did give out a bit. And yeah, he just ha- he has a horrendous poker face. Yeah, yeah, you are right. He's got no ability to hide it, does he? I just, I just felt. Bear in mind, we know Poirier can he can bang, but he's not you know lights yeah. out punisher normally. I, I just thought McGregor can normally eat him a little bit better than that. He took literally one flush and that was it. Yeah, that's that's what I mean. That's the word. well, not it, but he means- he he backed up, didn't he? And then. Dustin was a great finisher. And, you know, maybe that does link back to inactivity. You know, when was the last time he took one? Well, bear in mind, you know, obviously he took nothing in the Cerrone fight. So you can yeah. almost wipe that one out as well. So it's been a long time since he's had a really competitive fight. That one where, as his leg gives way, he, he squares up and takes it right bang on the button. Yeah. He yeah, definitely went out as well. I don't know why it was given as a TKO, because he absolutely went out. Yeah, for sure. You, you can see it in his eyes when he sort of... Uh, yeah, and the ref has entered over him. You could see it, couldn't you? But that—that that, I guess that was probably part of it with him. Is you're not really you're used to seeing him. We've seen him lose. It was weird for me. But, yeah. Yeah, but the way he went, you almost couldn't really. I would never have pictured it for this fight. No, certainly, I wouldn't have pictured if, um, it that way. Just to close this out, if we just do a bit of matchmaking, because one of the headphones are going to die, and I don't know how many people want to listen to us for two and a bit hours. There's um, be a lot of people skipping. Yeah. For the belt, so Khabib has pretty much said, look, I'm not coming back. I don't know mm. if he didn't quite literally say, 
stripped me because he assumed that McGregor would win. Maybe. <laughs> I think. I think so. I think he. If McGregor looks emphatic, I think he could have been tempted. As it is, I don't think. That's, I think that's it. Don't know. I think Poirier is going to be fighting for the belt. I think that's a no-brainer. If you're the UFC, you've got Charles Oliveira, who probably deserves it. He's just beating Tony, and then you've also got Michael Chandler, whose stock isn't going to get any higher than what it is now, yeah. and you risk him losing. You've got Nate, who Dustin mentioned after the fight, saying, I still want to put a beating on him. Mm. You've got Nate asking for the fight. They did book that before. But Nate's coming off a loss. And then you you also got McGregor. So do you say well, we'll finish the McGregor Poirier trilogy straight away. If I'm Dana, and I've said this for the last two years when they, since they made the Cerrone one, you make Nate against Connor at 155. There's nothing that makes sense more. Certainly now. So then at the top, you've got Dan Hooker. You've got Gaethje. You've got Charles Oliveira. You've got Poirier. Chandler's got to be in there now, surely. Chandler. He'll go straight in. I I think Poirier-Chandler for the belt makes a lot of sense. Like you said, Chandler's stock isn't going to be higher than this. And and as much as you only have one fight in the UFC, going in and taking that Dan Hooker around, I think probably he's good enough to win your title shot. The issue is that still in the rankings, Tony Ferguson's ranked higher than Dan Hooker. Yeah. And Charles Oliveira's just beaten Tony Ferguson. You've also got Gaethje. Who, and Gaethje and Oliveira scrum, who winner can get the title shot afterwards. That probably makes the most sense. Um, so Oliveira, they keep saying about his his record. I mean, Beating David Tamer, Jim Miller, Nick Lentz, Jared Gordon isn't impressive. You you know my thoughts on Kevin Kevin Lee, so Yeah, Yeah, true. That's a big win. But the Tony Ferguson one is is the big one. That's the one he's dying out on, isn't it? Yeah. If I'm the UFC look, I'd I'd make it Chandler against uh, Poirier, I wouldn't even be averse to making it Gaethje Poirier too because of how unreal it was the first time around. One of my favourite ever UFC fights. Yeah, that is an all-time great, isn't it? But probably you go how I think it'll go. It'll be Poirier against uh, Oliveira, Gaethje against Chandler, McGregor Nate, and then you've got enough hanging around Probably Hooker RDA, maybe. Yeah. Elder, yeah. you can put in there with Darius or someone like that. Drew Dober. Yeah. Felder Nate would be great, but it's just not going to happen. Like, there's no reason Nate needs to take that, and there's no reason for the UFC to make that other than Felder's their boy. Yeah. We, we know it takes a fair bit to get Nate out of a. Uh into a fight. I'm not sure Fowler's going to be the guy to do nah. it. So, there we go. Well, well it, what Connor does next is obviously the, I guess, the million dollar question, isn't it? I can't see 
anything other than Nate that makes a huge amount of sense that's going to be attractive to him. You know, you can fight no. anyone in there that would be, they'd all be interesting fights. But and they're both coming off a loss as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it, it makes a lot of sense. It is funny that Conor could beat Nate and get a title shot out of it. Bearing in mind, is Nate, Nate's not even in the rankings, is he? No, he's not. <laughs> so uh, that is pretty special, but they both I'm got sure he'd magically sort of appear in pass, there. Both yeah, I'm sure he'd magically appear in there, like the WBC um, or whatever it is. <laughs> I'm sure, yeah. Connor did say he was going to go up to welterweight, so I think he should probably hold, uh, cut the brakes on that. We did think That's... we might get McGregor Masvidal. I I've said before, Masvidal should have. It's not his style, but he should have haunted him. He should have gone for it. That press conference where he ends it was saying like, "I'd fuck that little midget up if yeah. if you could get him to sign the paper." He should have just gone all in on that because I think that's again I said I think it's the biggest fight in the in the whole sport, and that's been and then he's knocked on his head now. since. Yeah, yeah. That's but, but again, you could you could kind of lean into that more as well. That would have been the, the perfect build up. Yeah, you don't want to see Usman anywhere near him since Usman tweeted, I could literally shag you in there. It's such a weird (laughs) word. And there's nothing you could do about it, he said. (laughs) But I think that just about does us, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. I think the only other thing I was going to say is whether the 170 move for Connor is something he's got used to. Whether he getting down to 155 now. Is, is no longer viable for him, which, if that's the case, it should be... It looks good. right. 155 is his weight. That's the bang on yeah. thing for him. If taking that off now is going to make him sort of more susceptible, then he's going to have to knock it on the head because that's... I don't yeah. fancy him at 170 against most people. Maybe they go full team ginger. Get McGregor, Felder, and Dana calls you in. Say, look, spitballing pod, we'll get you promoting this one. We'll, and uh, we'll, we'll happily do it. Yeah. Happily, we we'll we'll get Canelo in against some <laughs> random ginger fella off the street. Some. There we go. All right. Well, thank you for listening to another edition of the Spitballing Pod. We'll be back next Monday um, for for more of this. We'll be back on Friday with Movie Madness. See you then. Goodbye. <laughs>